and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. It is a very historic day, in case you haven't caught the news, folks. President Donald J. Trump has fired FBI Director James Comey. And uh, this is, I don't know how many people might recall this. I had information, we had information, we talked about this uh, maybe a month ago. Um, we expected this to happen, oh, two weeks ago. Remember remember me saying that there was something that was going to happen within 10 days or two weeks? This is what I was referring to. However, what what changed was the recusal of Jeff Sessions' Due to the Russian uh, uh, recusing himself uh, from the uh, because of the Russian alleged Russian probe, right here, ladies and gentlemen, is the letter from Donald uh, President Donald J. Trump to uh, FBI Director James Comey. Here it is, right here, and it reads as follows: Dear Director Comey, I have received the attached letters. Which these are the attached letters. I'm going to refer to them here momentarily. I have received the attached letters from attorney uh, from the Attorney General and Deputy Attorney General of the United States recommending your dismissal as a director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I have, I have accepted the recommendation, and you are hereby terminated and removed from office effective immediately. Now, folks, there's two. There's actually three more paragraphs. Uh, the last paragraph being a simple sentence, but here's the key paragraph of this letter. While I greatly appreciate you uh, you informing me on three separate occasions that I am not under investigation. Uh, I nevertheless concur with the judgment of the Department of Justice that you are not able to effectively lead the Bureau. It is essential that we find new leadership for the FBI that restores public trust and confidence in its vital law enforcement mission. I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. That is uh, dated today. May 9th, 2017, uh, signed by President Donald J. Trump to FBI Director, former FBI Director James Comey. The important thing to understand about this, folks, this cannot be understated. And let me tell you something, okay? You are seeing right now the beginning. This is huge. Do not underestimate the impact that this is going to have, that this is having right now, all right? Uh, you talk about, uh, from zero to 120 miles an hour, uh, phones blowing up everywhere. I mean, outside of Washington, in Washington, outside of Washington, people are scrambling. It's, I can liken it to this. If somebody that's, uh, ill, for example, a family member, you see a family member ill, you, you know that they're, that, that they're on life support or, or you know that they're gonna pass away soon. And it's, um, you're waiting for that. It's, uh, hurry up and wait for their death and bam, they die and the phones blow up. This is much, sim- it's very similar to, to, uh, to this situation in terms of its, uh, impact, in terms of the uh, way it's handled. Now, the, the two supporting letters 
and th- this is a very important to understand. Uh, one from Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, to Donald Trump, and the other, and this is key, I suppose. This is more important than than uh, this is the most important letter from the uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein to um, uh, to, to the uh, to the President. And also to his boss, Jeff Sessions. So we have the letter from Donald Trump to Comey. And then the two supporting letters, one from Jeff Sessions, the other from Rod Rosenstein. Now, Rosenstein was just confirmed as, uh, Deputy Attorney General. That had to be done before firing of James Comey. Only because Jeff Sessions had recused himself from the active investigation of Russia. That's the timeline. That's the reason why it happened now and not two months ago or, or whenever um, Jeff Sessions had recused himself. This would have happened at that time had Attorney General Jeff Sessions not recuse, recused himself. Now, the uh, and I'm going to turn it over to Joe here momentarily, uh, bring Joe in on this, but I really want to drive this point home, folks. We are witnessing historic times. You, you're going to see. You're going to see immediate calls for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Of course, Joe, as Joe said, well, that's been happening, uh, you know, for the, since, since his inauguration. But the fact of the matter is, these, this is going to ramp up, ex, I mean, this is going to ramp up, it's going to take on a life of its own. Um, we have other things to be concerned about as well. Is Andrew McCabe, number two man at the FBI, going to serve as deputy director? If that, or as acting director, that, certainly cannot happen at least in my view it cannot happen uh McCabe of course you have you, you understand he's the um uh he's got ties to uh or his wife Jill McCabe ties to uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe and, and the money and all of that so and also he, uh, McCabe is a big figure with respect to the non-existent it, it never happened uh uh pedogate pizzagate scandal this all is tied together but folks, do not under look. If there's any other time in, in history, be, start paying a very, very close attention to what's taking place in Washington right now, because we are on the verge, I believe, or in the midst of a political coup, not by Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is is actually reacting to or responding to, more appropriately, um, some political shenanigans taking place within the Department of Justice, within the FBI. I've gotten uh, notifications from a couple of sources already, I mean, after uh, moments before airtime, how big this is in the, the scuttlebutt in the Hoover building. It is absolutely off the charts. And th- there are warring factions within the FBI. And the uh, many, many Many within the uh, uh, within the rank and file are very support- the majority are very supportive of Donald Trump of this decision. Understand this is huge. This is big. This and this right now is the the opening salvo, at least in the for public consumption. Uh, I don't know. The, the uh, uh, also understand those people who are calling for James Comey's resignations uh, on the progressive left. Uh, their heads are going to be exploding, despite the fact that they had they felt that uh, James Comey should have been fired. This is 
again, one of the most dangerous, I believe, one of the most significantly dangerous times in American political history. Watch the uh, political pundits as well, you know, from Charles Crowdhammer to George Will to Brian Williams to all of the, and Rachel Maddow, all of the, the usual suspects, so to speak. Watch them coalesce along with the progressive left and the neocons, in quotation marks, the uh, uh, people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain, watch for the calls for uh, the immediate dis- uh, the immediate impeachment of Donald Trump. This is one of those key moments in history that will affect uh, the, the 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 future of the political uh, landscape in Washington D.C. Now, with that said, Joe, I'm going to bring you on, and I know that. Um, this is a huge news day. Um, this alone, it, it, to me, in my view, and and folks, if I if I am incorrect or if I, if you feel I'm overstating this, but in my view, Joe, this is the equivalent of North Korea making a, a move militarily um, on the geopolitically. This is had that. Big. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and um, I, I I disagree to an extent. I agree that the political pundits on both the left and the right are going to use this as they use, um, you know, every time Donald Trump tweets as an excuse to to call for his impeachment. And as you said, the a lot of the, the Democrats and the people already believed and, and stated that they believe that Comey should be removed as the head of the FBI, as many of you know, uh, according to Hillary Clinton and and you know many of her followers, it's it's Comey's fault that she lost the election. Due to the reopening of the investigation, uh, email investigation, you're also going to hear that this was a, you know, uh, an abuse of power by Donald Trump. That this is, uh, you know, he's covering up his investigation um, into, you know, whatever the FBI was investigating. uh, You know, make believe fairy. If if I can interject one more thing, though, wait wait a second. If I can interject one more thing, the way this was done, and I want to bring this to the forefront. um, Rather than saying tender your resignation, FBI Director Comey. Uh, rather than Donald Trump saying you must tender your, your resignation based on the recommendations of, of Jeff Sessions and the Deputy Attorney General, this is as close to a man being perp walked from his uh, from his position. Now, uh, I, I had done uh, as an investigator, I've done um, the financial or assisted in financial audits uh, from the private sector. I have seen uh, people go into their office only to find their drawers taped shut. And security escorting them out of the building. This is much like that. This is as close to perp walking somebody out of a building than you can get. I don't want to again. I don't want to hype this, but that's kind of the. That's the way it is. I mean, is is Comey? uh, You know, aside from we we put a report up on HagmanReport.com today. The FBI is scrambling to correct some of James Comey's testimony on Hillary Clinton's emails, and it goes into um, the Huma Abedin Anthony Weiner. Uh, classified information, how, how um, Huma Abedin forwarded classified emails, uh, made it a regular practice to forward hundreds of thousands of Clinton messages to her husband, Anthony Weiner, some of which contained classified right. information. Comey testified that, that Huma had done this so that the disgraced former congressman should print them out for her boss. And Weiner's laptop was seized when he came under the investigation for uh, sex crimes following a report about a relationship with a teenager now. No, that does play into that does play a role, but I, I don't yes. believe the um, you know back to just the initial uh, talk about Comey being fired and this being some kind of political firestorm. 
I do agree that it will cause a lot of, you know, calls for impeachment and whatever, but that that's all, in my opinion, they've been doing it since, you know, before he was president. Okay, they have, and but I don't, but, but I don't see a, any merit but, to what they're... Look, look, you can say that all day long, Joe. And they they've got no grounds. Right. But, but here to the, it's, it's the public perception. You see, it is the, per, okay, perception becomes reality. Uh, you, you can hear and, and, uh, oh, uh, people saying he needs to be, Donald Trump needs to be impeached. Now, the public perception will be changed. And, and this well, is, is there under the misconception that, you know, somehow this is going to cover up his, uh, you know, this is going to stop Precisely. investigations. This is going to give Trump the power over the investigations that were ongoing. But even the Huffington Post, and we can, I'm going to make sure I, I uh, print this article out. They even uh, are on the, the milder side. You know, we're looking for that overreaction from the left, the excuses to to, to uh, make a case against Donald Trump for, you know, whatever their uh, believed crimes are. But um even in the Huffington Post article, they they make it a point to say that this is not going to stop any investigations of the Russia involvement into the election and the Democratic the congressional investigations. Okay, well, no, I mean there's, there's, this is the Huffington Post's original reaction. But, but okay, but, but you have to distinguish between investigations. You've got congressional investigations, congressional investigations by the House, mm-hmm. by the Senate, and then you've got the Department of Justice investigations, and then you've got the FBI investigations. You've got multiple investigations concurrent. concurrent. Mm-hmm. And those okay. aren't going to stop. No, well, um, no, no, they're not going to stop. How? But, but again, based on what? Again, this is all about massaging and managing public perception. Uh, it, it, because people would say, you know, for example, well, uh, impeachment based on what? It doesn't matter based on what. Well, it does matter. No, but... it, it, again, this is managing public perception. Well, I understand that. I just don't, in my personal opinion, I don't, it's not a big deal to me. This is just, you know, um, okay. Well, just because it, we've seen, it, it, okay. it would be different if it wasn't for Comey's, uh, the, the, the left and the right seem to, to have a, a hatred or a dislike of Comey and have stated as much, you know, um, many times. Will they use this like everything else Trump has done from the executive orders? Uh, on, you know, immigration to even that Religious Freedom Act. Will they use this as an excuse to try to show misconduct by the president? Absolutely they will. Will it go anywhere? Not in my opinion. It this might, will change make... minds, Joe. This will change the minds of those people who have heretofore been on the fence or saying, give uh, Donald Trump some room. Because don't don't forget, there, there's a misconception out there that the FBI director has an ironclad 10-year tenure. Tenure, tenure, get that. Tenure right. reign right, right. of the FBI. But he, like every other, uh, that's perception. he serves at the, at the pleasure, pleasure of the president. Of the, the president. Right. And, and one thing that, you know, we saw from these letters, um, that you have, and folks, you can find these letters, uh, they're, on, they're posted gonna, in a number of different we're, places, we're, but we're going to post them on hagmanreport.com. Uh, we are going to do that today. It's just, not just Trump making a knee jerk, having a knee jerk reaction to something and, and, you know, uh, dismissing James Comey. He had recommendations from the head of the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. Uh, who was the second recommendation from? Uh, Rosenberg? Uh, no, it's uh, Rod Rosenstein. Rosenstein. Uh, he's the Deputy Attorney General, just recently nom- or recently confirmed. And again, you, this is this is not a story that you can just gloss over and and no, you, you know can't. a few a few sound bites. You got to understand the succession, the fact that okay, you had Sessions. 
nominated or confirmed as AG. Then the Deputy Attorney General had to be confirmed, especially yeah, since Sessions that. was removed himself. Now, wait, one thing you said himself. that that has caught my attention that I'd like to hear more about is the uh, the, the number two at the FBI. That's right, Andrew you, McCabe. You seem to think that if he is, um, he cannot be allowed to be can you explain that? director. Without, I'm not I okay. McCabe why. is heavily involved. Familiar. Okay, Jill, Andrew McCabe's wife is Jill McCabe. She received uh, money from uh, Terry McAuliffe uh, for okay the Virginia. Yes, uh, okay. Yes, and, and there's a lot of influence um, purchased, alleged influence purchased. Uh, by Andrew McCabe is, is in my personal and professional opinion, uh, a political, he, he's, he's politically compromised because of his wife's, um, uh, monetary, uh, financial, uh, uh, ties and the gifts, uh, um, the support, the financial support given to his wife. McCabe also yeah, plays a big deal. role in this, in Pizzagate, if that's what you want to call, and, and I don't want to, uh, minimize Pedogate into Pizzagate, but that's McCabe is big uh, plays a big role into that. Um, now you, you go back to as well. Um, some people would still say Comey should have been fired a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, President Donald Trump couldn't do it until he had both sessions. And please understand this: uh, he could not do this until he had sessions, as well as his deputy attorney general on board, confirmed and in office, sitting in the office. Now, and I go back to McCabe. He, he cannot, should not be named as the active FBI director, given his connection to the to the progressive left. The uh, seven hundred thousand dollars given right. to Jill McCabe to run against Dick Black for the Virginia Senate Senate seat. This all is huge political uh, blackmail now, and do compromise. We, do we know the the procedure or protocol when a, a director is is removed or resigns? With the does the Authority automatically go to the number two as interim until a new director is unless otherwise un- unless otherwise uh, stated. Okay. Now that this is going to ha- and I understand uh, Sean Spicer. There's a, a uh, off the record uh, no no camera press gaggle taking place or soon to take place. Um, we're trying to get uh, information right from that gaggle, although not a lot of information is expected there. Watch the next 24 hours. Uh, because the next 24 hours are going to be extremely important. Uh, this again, and I, and I, you know, before airtime, you said, nah, this is not a really big deal. This is, in my view, this is a huge deal. Well, they're going to make it to be a big oh, deal. It, but yes. I, it's not the big deal that people are going to make it to be. And one of the, the best, uh, the interesting things, I, the sentences I saw in the letter, uh, while I greatly appreciate you informing me on three separate occasions that I am not under investigation, I nevertheless concur with the judgment of the Department of Justice that you were not able to effectively lead the Bureau. And we have seen, you know, back when when Comey announced that Hillary Clinton's email investigation, there was no intent there, so therefore there are no charges. I think that at that moment, he should have been fired. Well, again... And he would have been, I mean, whoever would have fired okay. him would have been well within their rights to do so, but we've seen, yes, the, we've yes. seen the, the adding up. Um, you know, Comey will testify one thing, Oh, you know, when, when Loretta Lynch met Clinton on the air, on the tarmac, you know, that did it for me. That, that put it over the top. And, and nobody's that, that getting plays in a role. Nobody's in trouble. Well. No charges. No more investigations into that. Uh, you know, everybody wanted to, to jump on Comey's back saying it was his fault that Hillary lost the 
election because he reopened the investigation. Never and, and those very same people, Joe, are going to be saying this is horrible that Comey was exactly. fired. And that's their they're looking for their political um moment. But it's like the boy who cried wolf, like Maxine Waters. Every day she goes on TV and calls for Trump's impeachment and has done so since he was inaugurated for every little infraction, for his hair blowing the wrong way in the wind. Okay. Yes. When to the point where if something um so if if Trump did something that would warrant even investigation or look at impeachment, it's going to fall on deaf ears to many because you know these jackals and in, in the these jackal talking heads in the press and in the the world of politics, um, you know half the time they say things just to make a headline, the other half they, the other half of the time they do it to score political points with their constituents, and that's all this is going to be looked at as just like as the left is going to the same people who are complaining about Comey and that he needed to go are going to use this as an opportunity to to jump on Trump. Um, it's going to be the same the other way around. And I think it's going to fall on deaf ears for many. And when there's no actionable evidence, there's not going to be any way. I mean, they could even bring up impeachment hearings. It's never going to happen over something like this, just in my opinion. Okay. It, it's, I, I, in, under normal circumstances, in a normal environment, uh, and on any other given normal day with, we're not talking normal here. I, you're, I, I truly believe, Joe, you are thinking, that everything is you're thinking right too rational you have to understand that these people are not rational they are rabid they are rabid political progressive communists and this ties in in a in a very tangential but yet applicable way to uh, AB 22, I believe it is, out of California, uh, saying, hey, let's let the communists uh, in. It's okay if you're a communist. You well, can work for the government. So you got to understand. Go ahead. If not now, when would be? A, when would have been a, a, the ideal time for Trump to be able to do this? After and the, you know, well, no, he should have, were concluded. I mean, uh, he should have done this. Uh, ideally, he should have done this within uh, – I'm the wrong guy to ask because I'm not certainly not a political advisor to anybody. But if if I was running the show, uh, it, uh, I would have done it within within 72 hours of my inauguration. Okay, right. Th- that's me. But and that's what probably that's I believe I agree that that's exactly when it should have happened. You know, right away. And but I uh, think but I think Donald Trump was was being pressured by and receiving information from the, the wrong people. But then but see again, think back. Uh, I think about a month ago when I said, "Look, watch the next ten days inside Washington. Something's going to happen." And then there was a recusal recusal by by Jeff Sessions, which I believe uh, put this on this firing on, on hold. And if you look at what happened here. This is not simply tender your resignation, for example, being asked to tender your resignation. This is done with the intent of actually almost dragging this man or escorting Comey. And imagine this, almost escorting Comey out of the uh, J. Edgar Hoover Hoover building uh, by security. That's what this amounts to. This This is not a friendly, God bless you kind of thing. This is, this is, I mean, so the, the left right. is going to say this is malicious. This is with right. malice. And then they could say whatever they want because they're delusional, uh, you know, as it is. And again, they, a lot of what they say is to score points and to, um, keep that perception of re- resistance up. But, uh, you know, why don't we talk about the merits of, of, you know, of this? And then with that logic, Trump couldn't do anything without, I mean, he would be paralyzed in his position as president 
because of fear of, of irrational backlash. That well, I, is I understand where, what you're saying, but, but again, no, you're, I you're thinking under normal circumstances and situations, you already have, uh, you already have the, this, this push toward let's impeach Trump because he's mentally unstable, mentally unfit to hold office. Look at his tweets. That's the mindset. Now this, this will be added to that list and this is the, this adds to the public perception that 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 Donald Trump is is not only unstable, but he is trying to hide and, and torpedo the investigation. Right, I, I understand that point, and and uh, you know it's it's ludicrous because the investigation will continue um, regardless. But um, you know the 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 flip flopping and what Comey has done since not charging Hillary Clinton because of lack of intent. Um, you know, if we looked at at Comey and his uh, just in the last six to eight months since, you know, the email investigation and, and he's been kind of in the middle of this political firestorm. Um, he has done a lot to, to, to help his own cause of getting fired. Uh, you know, again, just as an article we posted on Hagman Report today, James Comey's testimony, uh, FBI is scrambling to correct James Comey's testimony on Clinton emails because of what he admitted, uh, about how, you know, they decided not to charge Huma Abedin for Mishandling and, and uh, right. I mean, he has. This is all any, about optics, though. It doesn't matter. See, oh, I know it's truth all about has, optics. But truth has no bearing. But it still on this. does, and we have to live as it does because. And I understand. I'm, I'm, you know, always the first one to, to call out the insanity and, and the talk of the uh, failed perception and, and misguided perception of the left. And if anything, there, you know, these people who said that you know it was Comey's fault that Hillary lost the election and he should be fired. Uh, you know, the, the New York Times and all these different newspapers asking that question, uh, will serve, in my opinion, as, um, you know, some, some evidence or, or however you want to look at it. It's there that they can't go out. They can't say Trump is not mentally, uh, he's mentally unfit because he's taking actions like this. And again, going back to what I said earlier, you can't have a president who's paralyzed and, and is afraid to make uh, his decisions based on what the misconceptions and and uh, of the public might be in the backlash because of those misconceptions, and yeah, that might be the, the rational thought. But um, if we start, you know, going out on the deep end, I guess the the message here is yes, this was a good move, this was the right move in my opinion. Are we going to see a lot of uh, you know angry uh, liberals and Democrats? Yes. Will it go anywhere? I don't believe so. Okay, and, and I to the contrary, I believe that you're seeing right now this is. Day one of a massive um, internal war inside Washington D.C. Hagman report on this the ninth day of May, 2017. A big news day. We're right back. Stay right where you're at, folks. Give us three minutes, and we will give you more of the world. HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In 
a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. to this edition of the Hagman Hagman Report. Today is May 9th, 2017. Mark this day in your calendar. You know, uh, I was, uh, I got uh, our emails exploding, our Twitter feeds exploding. Look, we understand that this war has been going on since the day of the, uh, since election day, since the moment Trump was announced as the uh, winner of the, uh, uh, of the presidency. I understand that. It is about optics. See, it is not what you, we believe, okay? It's what they believe. It's not about what the general populate. It, it, it's the, it's the framing of the narrative, which is a phrase I detest, but this is what it's about. It's about how the, the progressive communist left will frame the narrative. Look, this is evidence. This is evidence that Donald Trump is trying to cover up his ties to Russia. It's Russia, Russia, Russia every single day by the communist yeah. progressives. 
But that's not what this is about. This is about something much deeper and much more insidious. And this could be the, the flashpoint that do not, under, uh, do not for a moment uh, underestimate how serious this is. And also, um, again, it doesn't matter. Rational thought goes out the window at this point. This is like Berkeley inside the Hoover building, okay? I, it, it, and when you say that, the framing of the narrative, yes. immediately the first, I know this isn't the, uh, uh, a great comparison, but, you know, the Antifa people try to frame the narrative by saying Trump's a racist and a bigot and, you know, a fascist and a dictator. But just because they run with that, that narrative that the, you know, progressive left in the news, you know, played into and put, and put out there doesn't mean it's true, uh, nor does it mean it's right. Now, Right. However, it, it, you're exactly correct. But the emotions, th- think about the emotions. And there it is. Okay. It's, it's no facts, emotions only. And that is a huge problem. Yeah. These it, reactionary. And, and that's why I say, you know, it might seem like a bigger deal now, but give it 48 hours. It's going to be a huge deal, a bigger deal in 48. It, uh, look, I'm going to tell you this right now. And, and uh, I invite anyone to, 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 Say, you know what, Doug, you are really, really wrong. And I hope, I, I really hope I am wrong. And, and please call me out on this if I am. But I'm going to tell you right now, in 48 hours, this is going to be a bigger deal in 48 hours than it is right now. Now this is where the really interesting question comes. If it does, uh, you know, well, I guess there's two, two parts here. If it does, if the left tries to make this out uh, as they already are, uh, more than trying to make this out as more something that it's not, um, A, will we see a change in the narrative with you know, some, some other, you know, more new North Korea hype. We saw it with the Susan Rice story. Uh, and I don't think the media narrative changes to help Trump or his agenda. So that's my, my one thing there. I don't, I don't know that we'll see that, that changing narrative put out by the mainstream media if this does pick up steam, uh, to help shield Trump from it. But, you know, again, um, as you said, that these people's misconceptions, they're automatically going to, even though Clapper, James Clapper, testified yesterday, there was no connection between Russia's campaign or Trump's campaign and Russia, and we've seen it time and time again. We've been hearing about the investigations. There's been no evidence of anything presented. Uh, you know, the the only issue with the the whole Trump administration was was Flynn, who was somebody that was given the security clearance by by the Obama administration. There's a lot more there. I think that very much we really need to get into because I believe that it. It's possible that Flynn could have been doing this um, as a plant. Now, I don't know if this has been explored or talked about. I'm sure it has had to be by now. But how much of this, you know, could have been, when we look at the Obama and Hillary, I am the resistance, Obama, the political action, you know, committees being started to to fight the Trump administration at every turn. If there wasn't somebody like a Flynn who was maybe even told to do things or was doing things on his own that he didn't know the people around him were aware of, He'd have to be a fool, and I don't, I don't believe okay. he was a well, fool. Well, no, I know. I'm just throwing it out there, though. But the, I think the um, there, of all the, the Russia claims, I mean, what what is what, is, what evidence did they come up with that he sold a house to to you know, somebody it, it in Russia see, in 2011? I know evidence I know. doesn't matter. Well, it, it does. And, uh, but it does. again, the optics of it. It, or is is what people are going with? It's it, it's it's like, um, but that doesn't. I mean, you're, and you're right, and that has been framing. The narrative, but the, I guess this is me saying, uh, if the media doesn't pick up on the the insane left's you know paranoid reactions and emotional reactions, how far can this even go? Oh, the 
the media is but it, again they they don't shield trump or 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 no play the level head so. you are going to see now you're going to see now the active neocons, the Lindsey Grahams and the, and the John McCains, and, and not them necessarily specifically, but people like them, uh, go after, turn on President Trump because, again, the optics are such that, okay, now's our time to make the move. We can, we can, we can go after Donald Trump. Uh, we can, we can actually further advance the articles of impeachment, which is based on air, essentially, no evidence. But again, it's the emotion, it's the optics. And it's the exploitation of those optics, because I look. I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, I would imagine Rachel Maddow is going to be uh, frothing, even though she expressed formally expressed disdain yeah. at Comey. She's yeah. going to be frothing, saying, "See, he's trying to cover up the Russian. He's trying to torpedo the Russian investigation. This is proof of it." And and it, it, ration rationality. Um, being rational it has no place here. It is, it is exploiting the uh, the optics and exploiting the emotionalism out here. And, and and trust me when I tell you, there are a lot of people clapping inside the Hoover Building, and there are a lot of people outside saying this is a political move, um, and this is an attempt to cover up uh, the um, uh, the uh, uh, the Russian investigation. But there's another element here. And the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, had mentioned this in the letter. And, and folks, again, uh, we're going to be posting the letters, all of the documentation gone back and forth between the AG uh, and President Trump. But here's something that's extremely important um, that I think people really need to, to focus in on. The, and I'm quoting from Rod Rosenstein. Uh, the Deputy Attorney General recently confirmed, here it is, um, the memorandum for the Attorney General, which served as the basis for the termination of James Comey. He writes the following, The Director was wrong to usurp, meaning Comey, was wrong to usurp the Attorney General's authority on July 5, 2016, and announced his conclusion that the case uh, should be closed without prosecution. This is in reference to, let me back up because a lot of people are not on the same page. Uh, let me start out at the top of the letter. The FBI has long been regarded as our nation's premier federal investigative agency. Over the past year, however, the FBI's reputation and credibility have suffered substantial damage, and it has affected the entire Department of Justice. Believe me, I can tell you that's true. My sources within, within the FBI have, have said this is absolutely true. The... Uh, that is deeply troubling to many department employees, I can guarantee, and veterans, legislators, and citizens. Well, you can count me and me, Joe, I don't know, as one of them, but certainly me. He writes, uh, the current FBI director is an articulate and persuasive, persuasive speaker about leadership and the immutable principles of the Department of Justice. He deserves our appreciation for his public service. In other words, here's what you do. You, uh, kind of pat somebody on the head and slap them and then pat somebody on the head again. That's kind of a human resources technique. Anyway, I digress. Um, he deserves our appreciation for his public service. As you and I have discussed, however, meaning Jeff Sessions and Rod uh, Rosenstein, as you and I have discussed, however, I cannot defend the director's handling of the conclusion of the investigation of Secretary Clinton's emails key here, and I do not understand his refusal to accept the nearly universal judgment that he was mistaken 
Now we're going back. Well, I'll just continue reading. Almost everyone agrees that the director made serious mistakes. It is one of the few issues that unites people of diverse perspectives. I I disagree. It it unites people of diverse perspectives within the conservative, the fractured conservative uh, sector. What he's saying is that the viewpoint is the only thing that unites people, meaning the Democrats feel that Comey, you know, uh, made mistakes for completely different reasons than what the Republicans, you know, for the, and the Republicans and the conservatives, they believe Comey made the mistake of not charging Hillary Clinton. And the Democrats, they believe Comey made the mistake of even questioning or looking at Hillary Clinton's emails in the first place and then reopening the investigation. So there was no unity. There never would have been any right, unity. Okay, I, I, okay I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on that. Now, he, he continues, the director was wrong meaning Comey, it was wrong to usurp the Attorney General's authority on July 5, 2016, and announce his conclusion that the case should be closed without prosecution. This is newly confirmed, or recently confirmed, Rod J. Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, to Jeff Sessions. He is, it's him saying that. It is not the function of the director to make such an announcement. This is true. The FBI, the director only, his only job is to investigate. It is not to file. It is not to prosecute. It, 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 he provides the department provider. The um, agency provides the information to the Department of Justice. This is how it works. You can you conduct the investigation. They provide the information to the Department of Justice. The, the Department of Justice then does the prosecution. The FBI does not prosecute anybody. They investigate, not mm-hmm. prosecute. The DOJ, DOJ carries prosecution. Right. This is why that lynch like tarmac thing was, was important. Yeah, any local city, municipality, you have the police, just like Law and Order says at the beginning, the police investigate the crimes of the district attorney who prosecute their offenses. Well, it's it, the same, same yeah, idea. exactly. And, and he continues, at most, the director should have said the FBI had completed its investigation and presented its findings to federal prosecutors. Comey was absolutely wrong, according to, to Rod or Rosenstein, Rosenstein, and everyone's in agreement. That to say, well, we're not going to, you know, there's not enough uh, to prosecute. It's not his decision to make. Right. And, you know, uh, when we talk about the authority, I want to make sure I get this in before I forget. The, you know, many people are saying Trump overstepped his authority, that it was, uh, quote, this is an abuse of power. Um, Trump is the president, and he is, there's three branches of government, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. The FBI, the DOJ, all these agencies fall under the executive branch. Not only is it not well, under his authority, it's part wait, of his wait, job wait, wait, is wait. to manage these agencies. Okay. Especially with the recommendations well, there's, of the there's DOJ. three distinct branches of government, but... Right. But the, what, uh, what I'm saying the is... The Department of Justice does fall under the executive branch, yes. Forget the, the who is the head of the FBI and who is the president. And we'll just say that the head of the FBI was uh, you know, Hillary Clinton and the president was Obama. And Hillary Clinton got caught stealing in a grocery store. It's it would be Obama's authority under his authority to fire her. The, just remove the people, the personalities, and the people. It's well, not, okay, it's not, overste- fire, not overstepping his authority. There's by, a, but there's a difference between determination and prosecution, criminal prosecution. No, I'm talking about his. The, people are saying it's an abuse of power, and he's overstepping his authority. He's not allowed to fire the director of the FBI. He absolutely is allowed to fire the director of the FBI. Right, but. Again, uh, 
people are conflating off, and I'm not saying you are, but there's a, there's a confusion and even a, uh, they're, they're conflating prosecution with termination or termination with prosecution. Uh, termination could precede prosecution. Think back to the Nixonian era, and, and we can learn from history. Folks, this would be a good time for, for everyone to understand what happened during the, the, the days of Watergate, that Saturday Night Massacre. And, and boy, I am not saying, I am absolutely, let me go on record, I'm not saying that this, um, that this, this is of that level. Uh, but you're going to see the progressive left, their heads exploding and saying this is much like Nixon firing yep. the Attorney General during the, the Watergate hearings. And, and it's already starting. Uh, Representative Elijah Cummings calling for an emergency hearing over Comey firing. There we go. And, and, and so the next step, and again, it, it doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter to these people. It's all about well, managing the perception to the American public. And, and there it is. It's funny how that works, you know, on, you know, it works the opposite, uh, the other way around, you know, when it, it's mind boggling. But to, we've come a long way in a, in a very far fallen, um, if you, and I understand what, the way you're framing this, but for you to say evidence doesn't matter, it's, it's about the framing the narrative and for the public and how, what the public perceives. If evidence public, mattered, then, then we'd be having perp walks of Clinton, in my personal view of Clinton, Bill and Hillary, of Anthony right. Weiner, of Huma Abedin, of Cheryl Mills, of Susan Rice, and all of these nimrods. We'd be, we'd be watching the perp walk if evidence mattered. Evidence apparently in, 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 at that level doesn't, doesn't matter a whit. Right, but that doesn't mean we should play into their delusion. Hey, no, of course no, no, not. No, 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 I know, I know. I, I, we're just laying out why things are, in my view anyway, why things are happening and not happening. That's all. Look, evidence does matter, but when I say evidence doesn't matter, what I'm saying is the optics is is what is governing this show. It's what's leading this, and, and the optics is, exactly. I, I get it, but but the Joe Scarboroughs and the, and Mika Brzezinski's are going to be out there tomorrow saying, "Oh, he can't do this. Right. This is Nixon. This is." And if it wasn't this, it would be some other reason. Yes, but this is the force multiplier in the call for impeachment. Right, wrong. No, it's it's to me, it's incorrect. Obviously. But, but understand how big this is. And yeah, I'm, I'm like busting a blood vessel here. You've got to understand the progressive left. This is huge. Oh yeah. This is, I mean, they're talking about an opportunity to, to, you know, try to, to push through their political agenda. Um, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not going to get much better than this. Yeah. And we're going to see the, the calls for investigations, the calls for impeachment. Maybe even see protests in the streets. Oh, I guarantee. Um, but all of it means nothing uh, in the mean? world of reality. And in the world but of reality where world. we live, we still kind of are. Kind of. Well, okay. You, d- At least tune the, in the to Ameri- MSNBC and pick out a, a sliver of reality from, yeah, the, from see, their that's world. That's where we, we get into this thing. Was how how has MSNBC even been in reality? Any has any yeah, of the major see, news outlets? They still have viewers. Rachel Maddow, top one of the top rated uh, shows, and and she had done she delivered a big nothing burger about the taxes. Uh, uh, taxes. And she and, okay okay this mad cow. Uh, lesbian on MSNBC. Are you are you kidding me? And, and, and I mean, you talk about Al Capone's vault. Uh, yeah, okay, and, and she's dragging in ratings. So tell me, reality. Tell me, truth matters. This is all about the optics. This is all about framing the narrative. And I hate those sentence statements with a passion. But at least 
that's I, I, you have to talk you have to talk on the same level at times as these idiots do so um okay but but here's the other thing now let's talk about McCabe because this is extremely important McCabe is vulnerable and McCabe should be the next to go and McCabe should be shaking and quaking in his books because uh, he, Andrew McCabe, came under scrutiny last year uh, when his wife's campaign, the contributions from a Hillary Clinton ally, he didn't list the, uh, uh, she didn't list the 2015 donations or his wife's salary in his financial disclosure forms. Andrew McCabe serving as a deputy director of the FBI. His wife uh, was running for a. Uh, 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 Virginia State Senate. Okay, so, uh, what happened was, McCabe failed to disclose the financial records of his wife that were directly connected to Clinton, Hillary Clinton ally in 2015. The records, by the way, obtained through a FOIA request showed FBI Director Andrew McCabe left the box blank for wife Dr. Jill McCabe's salary as a doctor with the Commonwealth Emergency Physicians and there is no documentation of the hundreds of thousands of campaign funds dollars that she received in her unsuccessful 2015 Virginia State Senate race. That You combine that, the financial uh, omissions or lying in my view by omission with his lack of prosecution or shall we say the management, mismanagement of the prosecution of the Abedin uh, emails, and that leads to Pizzagate, which, according to the progressive communist, uh, mentally fractured the left, is 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 uh, a, just a, a conspiracy theory. Is important to understand. And if they go after Trump for this, which they are in the in the public, uh, you know, in the media and, and and for public perception, they're also going to have to go after Jeff Sessions. They're going to have to go after everybody who's. In and outside of the bureau, in and outside of, uh, or inside of politics, who, who has recommended and called for, you know, the firing of Comey. Um, and I think Trump, you know, he, again, he wasn't, it was, this wasn't a reaction. I think this is something that he's probably wanted to do since he's gotten to office. But Comey continued to, to bury himself with his own testimony, to bury himself with his own excuses and words that, you know, uh, just the, the craziness of the Hillary Clinton stuff. I still, you know, how she walked away with no charges, obviously, um, you know, she had protection from, from the law enforcement and federal law enforcement community. But, but, but okay, yeah, but, but here's, but, okay, here's the connect though, Joe. It's Andrew McCabe because FBI Direct, Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was heading the Hillary Clinton private server email investigation. Okay, that's who, you want to know who was responsible for that specific investigation? What, it was Andrew McCabe, number two guy, set to go into that office, and as a brand new political candidate, McCabe's wife received somewhere around $675,000 in political donations from a Democratic PAC, which was run by Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. McAuliffe is a lifelong close associate of Bill and Hillary Clinton, one-time chairman of the DNC National Committee. Uh, the connection is so troubling that members of the Congressional Oversight Committee asked McCabe to supply documents detailing his wife's financial dealings with her campaign, and the Oversight uh, Committee Chairman Jason uh, Chavez said, "It seems like an obscene amount of money for losing a race. There is not sta- there are standing questions regarding a possible conflict of interest in this case." So. Think about that. It's deeper than the surface deep that the, uh, mad cows and the, uh, Scarboroughs and the Mikas and the other, uh, mentally, uh, mental midgets, the hobbits, intellectual hobbits out there want you to believe. 
Uh, this is huge. And what I'm going to be looking for um, now that, that Comey's gone from the FBI, which we might not see is, because um, I, I doubt Comey will speak out of turn, but anything that, any anything, uh, people might feel emboldened to start talking about things that Comey did or the decisions he made or why the de- why he made the, the decisions he did. Look, um, but will we see any, uh, you know, uh, leaks from the FBI? Will we see certain types of information come out, whether it's personal opinion or or otherwise, as to why some of the things that has happened in the last six months have happened the way that they did? I, uh, I think, you know what, that, that's a good point, Joe, and I do believe that we're going to see that not directly but as a, uh, shall we say, a, a, a consequence, maybe even an un, unintended consequence. Right, right. Uh, but, I mean, either pro or against Trump or whatever. Right. doesn't matter, but will we... Uh, start to see people speaking out, giving their opinions, um, you know, reaching out to journalists saying, here, this is my, you know, from what I observed in inside uh, the FBI during the Clinton investigation. Um, and again, you know, the big talking line on the left is going to be, uh, you know, impeachment, as my dad said, abuse of power, uh, covering up for the Russia investigation, which even Comey himself came out and said that there is nothing there. Um, and it's a shame that we have to continue to bring it up. Ladies and gentlemen, the only thing I can say is this, okay, uh, we've been really, as soon as we got word of, of this, um, the uh, dialogue, the communications between uh, the source within the FBI, within the, uh, um, that we've got, uh, just saying buckle up because it's going to, it's going to get really, really wild. And folks, I, you know, look, I hope I am incorrect on this. But I believe the next, uh, really the next several days are going to really be a game changer. And it could go a number of different ways. And I don't know how it's going to go, but I guarantee you the lines of battle are being drawn right now and have been run. And I agree with you that they're going to push as hard as they can to turn this into, you know, the biggest, uh, crime since Nixon. If that's even equivalent, uh, you know, Trump is Hitler and, and, um, uh, Everything he does is is against the American or American public values. In their words, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna spin this. They're gonna uh, use this to try to paint Trump as you know um, the you know the biggest dictator in the world and you know the biggest uh, you know covering up for crimes. Basically, everything Hillary Clinton was guilty of, everything many politicians are guilty of. Uh, but what kind of traction will it have? You know, with these, the impeachment claims, with the special prosecution claims, um, we know that it's very easy to mislead the public, especially the public that you fed the narrative to with misleading and false disinformation, uh, for political points. You know, the Russian narrative being that, um, political narrative that they're pushing and have been pushing since, you know, before he was elected and even tying WikiLeaks saying that they're a Russian organization because they're the ones that, you know, they fit their narrative. At some point, could that work, I guess? If if every movie makes, you know, from say it doesn't happen this time, the impeachment or hearings or whatever. Um, so the next thing that Trump does that the left doesn't like, they can, as you said, like they're building their case. That's Regardless right. of their That's cases right. in yeah. outer space, uh, you know, uh, they're 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 building. See, they're build they're building a false. Uh, they're they're building a case in in the public percept of in public perception based on lies 
Right. I just I just can't see how that can be turned into look, anything look, actionable look, look, look. in a political how form. Ma- okay, think of the OJ. Well, think of any court courtroom trial. We've been in. I, look, I've been in enough courtrooms. It, it does. It, an attorney representing a defendant, for example, does that attorney care about the truth? Yeah, I suppose he could be. That that could be argued. Yes. However, it is his job or her job to what to to to, to launch a defense uh, for. His or her client, the the the, the war or the um, the war the field of war in that courtroom is to dominate the narrative, regardless of the facts of the case, or use those facts in such a manner, exploit them as to dominate the narrative. This is what's happening on a larger scale, and it's all about the presentation to the jury. You're the jury, and it's being managed. It's it's a PR. It, it's it's all PR. It's all optics. It's all mm-hmm. it's all. Uh, so understand that it, but, relative to supposed truth. And and you know don't play into that. We're coming up against a break, um, but we have to you know understand that you're going to see a lot of crap fly in the next 24 hours. No, oh, this, this is let big. it let it go in one ear, not the other. Uh, no, pay, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay, to attention. Us. pay attention. But I'm just saying, don't buy into the hype and hysteria that they're going to try to make this into. Number of uh, politicians are calling, you know, special press conferences, as well as you know, issuing statements on Twitter. Trey Gowdy issued a statement, um, not saying anything one way or the other. Um, but folks, when we come back, we are going to be joined by Joel Richardson. Joel right? Richardson, thank yes. you. Uh, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report again. Check the website Hagman Report. James Comey was let go, fired. You're fired. Yeah, he wasn't just <laughs> let go. Yeah. We'll be right back. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke 
coatless, fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 PreciousTimberProfits.com PreciousTimberProfits.com the, the book's actually already out. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, our guest coming up right now, uh, here momentarily, I should say, is Joel Joel Richardson. Before we get to Joel, folks, it's a huge news day, and uh, right before airtime, of course, or about uh, oh, I don't know, about uh, an hour and fifteen before airtime, of course, maybe a little longer, the news of the firing of James Comey. And uh, this is not tender your resignation uh, situation. This is a firing of James Comey. Um, this is going to be a huge. Uh, well, this marks uh, really a uh, reframing of the narrative. Folks, pay, pay very close attention over the next. Uh, it's beginning now. Pay very close attention to what's taking place inside the Beltway, because there will be things that now things will happen um, that you. Perhaps have you, you won't see coming. Okay, this this is incredible. So I can think of no better time than to rethink your preps, folks. Ready-made resources, a sponsor of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. I'm going to tell you, this is the place for all things uh, prep, and including but not limited to night vision. Of course, thermal lasers, you know, I mean, they have, they are the number one, um, company for anything night vision. You've got, uh, premium water filters, energy production, you've got, uh, food storage, anything you want. This is the go-to place for all things preparation. Bob Griswold, the owner, is the man, really. Folks, visit readymaderesources.com, readymaderesources.com. I, I, I really want to make a plea that you, that all of our listeners, please, please take preparations seriously. For, if not for yourself, for your loved ones. If you don't believe that you're going to be here to see any turmoil, then think of your loved ones or think of those who would be here. But 
please prepare yourselves and your families. Our go-to company for night vision, for communications, for everything, preparation, ready, made, resources.com. They're the best of the best. I mean, you, you can either, you can either buy a, a Bentley or a Volkswagen. This is a Bentley of preparation as opposed to a Volkswagen. This is the Bentley of them all at Chevy prices. Okay. The, at the fairest prices you can get. Again, readymaderesources.com. The second item of business. Folks, um, Pro Flowers had done a great, well, they're a great sponsor of ours. We had a contest yesterday for Mother's Day. They're your most embarrassing story, right? About your mom. Oh my goodness. The inbox overflowed. Okay, the cutoff was noon today with respect to stories, accounts. We have so many. You will be notified by, by, by email. The winners will be. Uh, my daughter Jackie, she was up until I think 4.35 o'clock this morning, uh, reading through the submissions and then again this afternoon reading the remaining submissions. We will announce the winners tomorrow. It's, it, the response was that great. We'll announce the winners tomorrow and perhaps even read the stories. Uh, so I want to take care of that piece of business as well. Now, uh, also please watch or Keep, uh, in, keep in tune, um, hagmanreport.com because we will be, fi- we will be, uh, on the Comey breaking story throughout the remainder of, well, henceforth, uh, and providing updates at hagmanreport.com. John Robertson, of course, is, uh, on the spot as well. You can follow John Robertson's, uh, Twitter feed as well as Hagman Report's Twitter feed, even my Twitter feed when I get to it. Um, we have uh, a source inside the FBI as well as a couple of sources inside the Beltway uh, reporting to us in real time. I mean, our, our communications are, are just overtaxed at this point. So please understand that we are, we are on top of this and, uh, but, but, you know, prepare because this is a big deal. All right. John, me kick, kick it over to you and let's bring Joel on because this, he, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for, for this. This is going to be a, a great hour, folks. Joel Richardson is our guest. And um, check out his website, joelstrumpet.com. That's joelstrumpet.com. He's got a special deal uh, for listeners to the Hagman and Hagman Report with his new book, Mystery Babylon. Um, the promo code is Babylon Bundle. Uh, Babylon Bundle is a 20% off uh, discount for Hagman listeners, and that is on uh, the the book Mystery Babylon. But, folks, if you go to joelstrumpet.com and you sign up for the newsletter, you can receive another 10% off for a total of 30% off for the Babylon bundle. And, again, folks, go to go to Joel's website, joelstrumpet.com, and uh, check out his website. Check out. I found, uh, by the way, I found the this content. very compelling, Joe. I really did. I, f- I found Mystery Babylon very compelling. It's definitely a very interesting topic and one that's that's uh you know uh debated uh, among the um, theological uh, uh places around you know the Bible prophecy and whatnot many differing opinions on that but again uh, the book's Mystery Babylon and and the promo code for tonight is the Babylon bundle 20% off for Hagman listeners but if you sign up for the newsletter at joelstrumpet.com you'll get another 10% off for a 30% discount Joel welcome to the Hagman and Hagman report Gentlemen, thanks for having me on tonight. 
It's well, great. yeah, it's great to have you, uh, uh, Joe and Eric. Because we uh, we had to uh, cover the news, perhaps we can uh, forego the network break at the bottom of the hour, if that's okay. Let's let's give Joel Richardson the entire hour. All right, go ahead. All right, Joel. Um, the mystery Babylon. It's a it's a highly debated topic in in the prophetic world. You hear many differing uh, opinions. You know, it's the USA, it's Israel, it's this or that. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about first uh, what what led you to to write this book? Yeah, no, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's an amazingly um, it's a topic which stirs up tremendous uh, opinion, and it's actually a book that I started really 10 years ago, and every time I started working on it, I I just felt as though I was supposed to wait. And uh, it was not until during last year, during the election season, I just said, I need to get this information out. And uh, so essentially, what I did with the book is I broke it up into three sections. The first section is the exegetical work. This is where I work through the prophecy. Now, obviously, for those who aren't familiar, Revelation 17 and 18 Longest prophecy in the New Testament deals with this mysterious woman. She's a prostitute. She's a queen. She's riding this beast. She is a metaphor for a geopolitical entity that will have tremendous sway. It says over the kings and the inhabitants of the earth in the last days, primarily religiously and economically. So, you know, this is a very enigmatic, mysterious topic. So the first section of the book, I work through the prophecy exegetically. In the second section, what I do is I survey the history of all the different uh, interpretations, different theories that have been set out there by different theologians, prophecy teachers, etc. And I weigh the strengths and weaknesses of each position. And so the um, the approach that I take in this is if you go to Walmart and you're going to buy a pair of gloves, uh, you're going to buy a pair of gloves, whereas all ten fingers fit. You don't buy a pair of gloves if three of the fingers fit. Fantastic. Uh, but the other fingers don't fit. And so this is very important as we work through these various theories to say all of them seem to have some fingers that fit. And, um, and then there are other problems with each of the theories. And then in the third section, I, I offer my interpretation. I, I don't do so dogmatically, but I present it as an interpretation because it is not an interpretation which has been set out there widely. And I think anyone who works through the book will say, my goodness, this actually uh, is a very compelling case. And so I present the idea that the city of Mecca, and really in a, in a broader sense, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is actually the a geopolitical entity that is in mind uh, in the prophecy of Revelation. And now let me just say, for those who have never heard this idea set forward, um, I was very dubious as I started working through this idea early on. Um, but as I said, uh, the more that you look at it, the more that you weigh it, the more that you work through the text and look at the reality on the ground, you say, my goodness, this actually seems to make sense and fit all the fingers, all of the scriptural criteria within the prophecy, perhaps better uh, than any of the other uh, interpretations. And if this is not the proper interpretation, there's no question that Mecca and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is indeed one of the great Babylons 
of human history. And so even if you reject the interpretation, um, there's still a tremendous amount of information here that I think every American and every Christian needs to be aware of. And, Joel, uh, uh, you, you, you said that nicely um, because a lot of people you know, have an opinion one way or the other, and then a lot of people are of the mindset, well, you know, they'll, they'll look at these you know, different uh, opinions and interpretations and kind of take a wait-and-see attitude, you know. Um, uh, but let's go over some of this. And I know we, we plan on having you on for three segments, and we, you had kind of a uh, – you had it framed in a way where we could cover uh, certain things each segment – but we'll have to have you back on, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this as best we can today. Um, let's go over, If where do you want to start? you want to start with the different interpretations, or do you want to jump right into why uh, you believe that Mecca and Saudi Arabia are uh, the mystery Babylon? We can start wherever you want. You know, I, I would say it's probably worth touching on. Um, and, you know, it's as you said, I have found that, you know, if there's one arena of theology that Christians and interpreters need to be incredibly humble with regard. It is with regard to end-time biblical prophecy. And yet, I think what I find, and what you probably find as well, is that oftentimes those who have opinions regarding end-time prophecy are the most dogmatic. And probably nowhere else is this more true than with regard to people's opinions about Mystery Babylon. And uh, it's amazing. I have people, since putting out the book, they say, Joel, you're an absolute idiot. You're a heretic. You're obviously working for the Vatican. You're a Jesuit. Um, and because you don't call the Pope the Antichrist and the Catholic Church is not Mystery Babylon, therefore you must be one of them. And then others say, you're obviously a Zionist working for, um, you know, the, the Mossad. Others say, obviously, you know, and it's it's actually borders on uh, humorous. I mean, actually it is if it wasn't so sad. Um, but one of the interpretations that I do want to touch on, because it's growing in popularity, is the idea that the United States, New York City, um, or United States more broadly, is Mystery Babylon. Now, what I point out in the first part of the book, the exegetical portion, is that Mystery Babylon is first and foremost defined by three descriptions. She is an economic corrupter. Okay, we could look at Wall Street, we could look at, you know, the the economic power of the United States and go, well, that fits, you know, and so there's a finger that fits. But second, she is clearly a religion. Not just a religion, but the great false religion. It's actually written across her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of all harlots. Now, when we as Americans often hear this phrase, the mother of all harlots or the mother of all prostitutes, we imagine this prostitute who is a mother to a whole bunch of little prostitutelets, you know, like a bunch of piglets. All of her daughters are harlots, but this is, this is a classic Eastern expression. And it really, it's no different than when Saddam Hussein said, it's, this is going to be the mother of all battles. This sort of thing. It simply means the biggest. And this is Babylon the Great, comma, the mother of all prostitutes. This is what is called an appositional uh, phrase, which is to say both phrases are essentially synonymous. So when it says Babylon the Great, the mother of all prostitutes, it's simply reiterating the same point. And the point is this, is that harlotry, prostitution, it is a metaphor for idolatry, false worship, any worship that is given to anything else other than the one true God of the Bible. 
and not just a false religion, but the great false religion. So you could say the United States is an idolatrous nation in many ways. Yes, I understand that, but we are not a religion. The United States does not represent a religion. And third, this religion is primarily responsible for the shed blood of the saints, and the text says, and the witnesses of Jesus. Now, the United States, for all of its problems, for all of the ways that we have fallen short with regard to the values and principles set forth in the founding documents, in the Constitution, equality, liberty, uh, you know, all of these things, um, we are still, and, and this is a, it, kind of a, an emotional point for me, we are still the greatest Christian missionary sending entity in the world. 80% of the missionaries that go out to proclaim the gospel throughout the nations are sent by the United States, as well as 80% of the monies to fund the going forth of the gospel. And I get a little irate with people who try to cast us as the single greatest corrupt, spiritually corrupt, evil entity in the earth that deserves to be destroyed. As a Christian, I'm called to contend for and pray for a spirit of repentance and revival and an awakening in this nation. Uh, you know, if your spouse gets sick, you pray for them until they're in the ground. And this is the nation that I was born into, that I'm raising my children. And personally, I think that the idea that the United States is Mystery Babylon, not only does it not work exegetically, it's destructive in terms of our mandate as disciples of Jesus in this nation. And I think that's important and worth pointing out. And, uh, again, I have a whole chapter that deals in much more detail with that issue. We've heard, um, you know, a number of different, as you said, if you, uh, just because of your position and, and uh, what your book says, you know, you get attacked from these people who believe in other um, ways of thinking about this. For one, you have uh, Rome uh, and then the Vatican. Uh, people will make the case that that's Mystery Babylon. The USA, as you just laid out, um, even Jerusalem or Israel. And then, um, and then Saudi Arabia, um, and you just said this. You just mentioned this that this has to do in chapter seventeen and eighteen of Revelation um, is detailing what mystery Babylon is and what we're talking about tonight. In verse two, it says, "With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication." Uh, that's seventeen, verse two. And just so we, if you want to um, kind of eliminate the United States, when I read that verse, um, you know, you think about the money, the money system uh, in democracy. At least this is what I do when looking at America as potentially being Mystery Babylon. And uh, along those lines, you can you can make the case. But as you pointed out, um, if you if you go down a little bit further in verse five, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. That is speaking directly to somebody who's been persecuting. And, um, and, and killing the Christian believers in Jesus. So unless, you know, America starts beheading Christians and persecuting the Christians, that takes them out of the equation, correct? Or in yeah, in my it. opinion, I mean, you know, it's not to say that we don't have some, some persecution here, but they're not beheading the saints and they're not primarily responsible for the slain of the saints throughout the earth. And, you know, I just got back from Iraq just a few weeks ago. Um, there are parts of the world where the saints are being slain, and um, it doesn't compare to the persecution that we're experiencing here in terms of being sued for not baking a, a gay cake uh, for a gay couple, this sort of thing. It's it's different when your children are kidnapped and sold into sex slavery, and the, all the adult males are beheaded. You know, this is an entirely different level of persecution. Okay. Um, 
so we we covered the uh, Mecca being the the religious um, center for Islam, and and the way you describe this is Mystery Babylon has a, a religious element uh, involved in it, as as we can see, it's written across the forehead. Um, let, let's go into the, this a little bit and get into um, you know Mecca is the greatest city of idolatry, um, as as you say. Uh, let's talk a little bit about it. not only their system of idolatry now does this stem um back to the original babylon and and what they believed in and then the how's that has how has that transformed over into the saudi arabian islamic belief system well certainly you know it's interesting when you read various opinions that say well rome is babylon you know they'll point out the various pagan um elements in the liturgy the worship the the um iconography and statues and different things and we understand all that Christianity has been um, in Catholicism has been intermingled in various ways with the traditions of men including pagan traditions down through history however when you go to Mecca you have at the center of this mosque called uh, Al-Haram Al-Sharif the noble sanctuary they call it you have the Kaaba or the cube this is a 60 foot by 60 foot shrine they cover it with a shroud, very similar to how they cover a woman. And on the corner of the Kaaba is a black stone. And, of course, on the top of virtually any place of worship in Islam is the crescent moon. Now, Muslims will say we don't worship uh, the moon goddess or this sort of thing. We don't worship the black rock, although they do believe that when they make pilgrimage, they make hajj, and they touch and kiss this black rock, that all of their sins have been forgiven uh, uh, previous uh, throughout their life up until that point. It really is a counterfeit to the blood of Jesus. But in terms of tying it back to ancient Babylon, you have throughout the ancient Near East, you have these various astral and war deities, uh, sun and war god and goddesses, moon and war gods and goddesses. And interestingly, throughout, again, the ancient Near East, you have multiple, multiple cases where these black meteorites are used for the heads of the statues of Diana, of Artemis. And, and even in the book of Acts, you have, you know, they, they, they get, um, the, um, the idol makers get all upset and they, they're, they're saying because you guys are making disciples and we're losing business and they cry out and they say, great is, some translations say Diana, some say Artemis, great is Diana in Ephesus, whose image fell from heaven. In other words, her face, her head was a meteorite, a black meteorite. So you can see the continuity. Muslims today can't explain why there's a meteorite embedded on the corner of their sacred shrine. They can't explain why the shrine is veiled just like a woman. But you can see the clear continuity within Islam to ancient Near Eastern Babylonian astral and war uh, deities and, and worship. You know, obviously the Allah of the Quran is clearly a war god. Um, you know, as the very foundation of Islam is jihad. This is entirely uh, foreign to you know uh, biblical faith. And there's so many other pagan elements to the worship there. The whole circumambulation around the Kaaba. There is absolutely nothing in the Bible that that has this type of practice. Yet it ties clearly into ancient Hinduism and Buddhism in terms of walking around various shrines. Um, you know, just the entire history of, of the Kaaba is, is thoroughly pagan in a way that makes the Vatican look like child's play. Um, and I, that's pretty strong language. But, you know, again, we need to take note of the fact 
Islam, 1.62 billion people in the earth, bowing and praying five times a day toward this shrine. This is the single greatest, this is the single greatest idol, if you will, the single greatest city of idolatry that mankind has ever produced. In terms of just raw numbers, in terms of the numbers, the percentage of the earth that are giving devotion and worshiping, uh, for lack of a better term, worshiping the devil disguised as Allah, um, this is the great, the great Babylon. Nothing in, hi- in the history of mankind has compared to this. And so again, even if, even if this interpretation is rejected, we need to acknowledge that this is indeed one of the great cities of idolatry. Today it is the greatest. Could something else arise in the future? Certainly that's the future. We don't know what the future holds. Certainly that's possible. But today, at this moment in history, it is the great Babylon of our day. I have a question, Joel. Maybe this is not the right time to ask this, or maybe not even the right context. But given the premise, your, your premise, what does that, uh, what does that establish, if anything at all, uh, for the false prophet and the Antichrist? Does that, is there a tie-in here? Well, this goes back to my first book, which is 13, 14 years old now, The Islamic Antichrist. Um, you know, in, in that I detail Islamic apocalyptic expectations. So Muslims throughout the world, not just Shia, but also Sunnis, are awaiting this coming savior, this perfect man. They call him the Mehdi. The Shia call him the 12th Imam. But essentially they're awaiting a man to arise. Now, he will be the caliph, the pope, president, and general, if you will, of the Islamic world. Religious, military, political, all wrapped into one office. Their prophecies, their hadith uh, prophesy this, and there is huge expectation for this. And even among many of the Muslims that don't even believe in the Mahdi, although it's a, it's a vast majority do, um, uh, Pew Research firm several years ago did a massive uh, um, study with some like 23 different nations, and in some nations, it was like 87% uh, believe that the Mahdi would come in their people, they said, in their lifetime. So there is pretty wide expectation. Again, these are Sunni nations, not Shia. Um, but even for those that don't believe in it, they do and they are awaiting a caliph, the restoration of the caliph and the establishment of the caliphate. So now we're sort of getting into the issue of the beast. The woman is the harlot, but she is in relationship to this beast. The Bible says the beast is a end-time coalition uh, of nations. It's a revived empire. Again, some people believe this is a revived European empire. Uh, I argue that uh, the context of the biblical prophets points us to the nations that surround Israel. The goyim saviv is uh, the Hebrew, or the am saviv. It means the people or the nations roundabout. And, of course, roundabout is roundabout Jerusalem. So we have to begin with the fact that the Bible is and always has been thoroughly Jerusalem-centric. This is the city where it all goes down. This is really the epicenter of this battle that's raging in the spirit throughout the last days. And, of course, it manifests in the natural. And so if you just simply look at a map, you look at hundreds and thousands of miles in every direction around Jerusalem, you can see that Satan is very real that he understands biblical prophecy and he wants the throne of David. The scriptures say that the son of David, Jesus the Messiah, is coming back to reestablish that throne in Jerusalem. 
And so, you know, once we understand the story as it's playing out, then we understand that Satan has already extended his spidery tentacles throughout the whole region. He has established his uh, people. And it's not to say that Europe is not relevant. It's just that when you take into consideration the Israel centricity of all of the scriptures, um, you look at a map, you can see that the Islamic world is much more relevant. Again, the future could change, but for the near perceived future, um, we definitely should have our eyes on the Middle East. Oh, well, absolutely. You know, the prophecy is centered around Jerusalem and the, the nations that, um, you know, one of the problems I have with the America Mystery Babylon theory. It, not that it, it couldn't happen, but you know we're such a young nation, and um, you know we've been a, a haven for liberty and freedom, and especially religious liberty and freedom. And as you pointed out, the missionaries, um, you know, one of the things it says in, in in prophecy about the end times is that you know the word word would be spread throughout the whole world, and you know the United States is you know from the the printing press to the missionaries today has been the driving force in in, in accomplishing that, and. Um, and again, we see the, the a lot of people making claims to, um, you know, Rome or, or Jerusalem or whatever it is uh, that that the claim is. But there's a, a few questions I want to ask you, Joel, and I don't want you to have to give anything away or take you into the territory you didn't want to go. Um, and and maybe this isn't even the right interview for this, but um, just two things in in Revelation 17 that I have questions about pertaining to Saudi Saudi Arabia, and maybe you could clear this up. And if you don't want to get into it, we can we can go somewhere else. Um, Revelation no, please do. 17 verse 8 um, where it it says you know I will show you after it says I will show you um, uh, the mystery of the woman it says the beast that thou sawest and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, pit and go into perdition they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is and is not yet now that is talking about a beast not Mystery Babylon, but how are those two related? Right, so it's interesting because when John sees the woman, he goes, I wondered greatly. You know, he's like, what in the world is this? And the angel says, I'm going to explain it to you. But then the angel takes most of the rest of chapter 17, and he doesn't talk about the woman at all. He talks about the beast that she's riding. And so he says, like, here it is the mind of wisdom. So he goes, if you want to understand the woman, you need to understand the beast. And the beast represents a, it's a pan-historical picture. And it represents seven historical satanic empires. Satan has always had a stronghold empire, a stronghold city in the earth. It's not as though he only had one, but he's always had one primary city. And it's this city from which emanates the anti-Semitism, the Jew hatred, the anti-Zionism, that demonic lust possess the promised land. Uh, an anti-Christian spirit, of course, after the birth of the church that seeks to uh, snuff out the church, etc., etc., right? So initially, you had Egypt. This was the first great persecuting empire. They tried to kill all the firstborns, etc. So Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, these are the first five. And then it says in Revelation, and then one is, of course, Rome was the sixth. And then it says the other, so it mentions another. It says he will come for a short while. Now, a lot of people go, well, so you're, because I'm essentially arguing that the only other empire in history that follows the pattern of these various empires that, that carried that same anti-Semitic, anti-Zionist, anti-Christ spirit is the Islamic empire. 
Um, and people go, but that wasn't just for a short time. But then you have to read on. The rest of the prophecy says that the eighth, so first it says seven, and then it kind of has this mysterious eighth. So when it says eight, it's talking about the seventh dying and coming back. It suffers a head wound and it comes back. Now, the Antichrist, in a personal sense, he could suffer a head wound and come back as well. But I believe that the empire itself will suffer a fatal head wound and come back. Now, in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, we have in Daniel 2 the vision of the metallic statue. In Daniel 7, we have four gruesome beasts. Each of those um, culminate with an empire that has two phases. So you have the legs of iron, which then flow into, this is in Daniel 2, the legs of iron, which flow into the feet of iron and clay. Now, most people say that's Rome, and then the feet are revived Roman Empire. I argue that the legs of iron represent the Islamic Empire, that the feet represent the revived Islamic Empire. In Daniel 7, you have the beast, verse 24, the ten horns come up out of the beast. So again, you have one empire, two phases. Likewise, here in Revelation, you have one empire with two phases. It's the seventh and the eighth. The problem is that Rome is clearly the sixth. So Rome can't be the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th. We're not looking at a three-phased empire. We have to interpret Revelation 17 based on the previously established biblical criteria in Daniel 2 and 7. We're looking for a final empire, single empire that has two phases. That final phase is the Antichrist revived coalition. And so I believe that the woman will be in relationship with this revived Antichrist coalition, of course, which Saudi Arabia is the very fountain. It's the very womb, not just of Islam globally, which it is, but specifically Salafism or Wahhabism, which is the most violent, the most perverse, wicked, murderous, evangelistic, aggressive, fastest-growing form of Islam, in the earth today. This is the Islam of ISIS, of Al-Qaeda, of Boko Haram, of Al-Shabaab, Jabhat al-Nusra, the Glibi Jamaat, Jamaat al-Islamiya, all of these radical groups, Abu Sayyaf, all the way to the Philippines, they're beheading, kidnapping, killing Christians, raping women. This all comes from Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia today, the Saudi royal family, not only is this the ideological fountain this incredibly evil form of Islam, and I'm not, to me, all of Islam is evil, but this is the worst of the worst. But they all are also the greatest financiers of this. Uh, if there is a mosque in your city, it's about a 95% chance that it was paid for by the Saudi royal family. And they don't just build the mosques, they don't just build the Islamic centers, they train the hate preachers, they send them out like missionaries to become the imams in these mosques. They write and, and manufacture and print the um, the hate literature that then goes into the libraries at these mosques, etc., etc., etc. So we need to understand that Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the single family, the single foreign government, has been behind the single greatest propaganda campaign. If we're looking at numbers, if we're looking at money, the largest propaganda campaign in the history of mankind. You know, the Soviets engaged in a in a dramatic propaganda campaign during the Cold War. The Saudis have left them in the dust. The amount of money that they have spent over the past 40 years to spread Wahhabism throughout the earth literally is more than the entire global Protestant uh, budget for missions. For the past 40 years, they are outspending us by four times. 
So when you look at the numbers, it's just, it's unbelievable. So the United States may not be Mystery Babylon, but we are the greatest John. If Mystery Babylon is Saudi Arabia, then the United States is not Mystery Babylon, but we are her greatest client. And this is definitely very relevant with regard to the current political atmosphere. Joel, I cannot think of a better, and I mean a, a more solid statement than what you just said. The um, the integration of Saudi Arabia, the infusion of Islam in this country, has the signature, the imprimatur of of uh, well, I'm sorry, the uh, every mosque. Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, Islam in North America and specifically in the United States, again, has a signature and imprimatur of the Saudi Kingdom, specifically Wahhabism. And um, this is a deliberate uh, invasion and political, cultural, economic, religious assault for the ultimate takeover of this country. Absolutely. And and, and that goes back Absolutely. to the first book. Uh, well, like. You, you've been a, a you've been a real you've been on the tip of the spear on this matter in um, you know since uh, since I can forever basically yeah. and again folks we're talking with Joel Richardson and and visit visit his website joelstrumpet.com um, and check out his his offer that he's he's extending to our listeners at the Hagman Report for the Babylon bundle with his latest book Mystery Babylon you can get 20% off of the Babylon bundle use that coupon code Babylon bundle for Hagman listeners but folks if you go to joelstrumpet.com sign up for the newsletter you can receive another 10% off totaling 30% off the Babylon bundle again Joel's website is joelstrumpet.com um Joel I want to ask you a question about this um and again, if we don't want to get into this, uh, or you don't want to give away too much of your book, there's, um, and we can, I could do this all night with you going through, uh, scriptures and asking you, you know, how, how does this, uh, equate? Um, just in 17 verse 1 of Revelation, it says, I will show you the judgment of, of the great whore that sit upon many waters. And, uh, also that in verse 4, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color decked with gold and precious stones. And then the seven hills, we can get to one or, or all three of those. Um, is there, is there, uh, seven hills, I guess. Let's do that. The, we know Rome, um, has the seven hills. Many say Jerusalem also has the seven hills. How does this apply to Saudi Arabia? Yeah, so essentially, there's various, uh, when the prophecy opens up, you have all of this, uh, imagery, all of these metaphors, and then the angel comes along and he explains the metaphors. So it's essential that we read through the angelic interpretation. So, for instance, the waters that the woman sits upon. The angel says the waters represent peoples, Mm -hmm. tribes, tongues, nations uh, that she has influence over. Okay, so it's not literal. She's not literally sitting on many waters. Because in which case, you know, then Manhattan, New York City, fits perfectly. Um, But the angel explains that that is metaphorical. Now, what is interesting, actually, as a side note, is that when John is taken to see the woman, he says, I was taken into, most translations say a wilderness. Well, the word there in Greek is eremos or eremon. Um, and what that actually means in, in the biblical world, this is always a desert. When Jesus went out in the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days, that was the Judean desert. And so the word uh, eremos, it has the connotation of a lonely, deserted, desolate, um, place away from, removed from society, but again, in the biblical world, it's always a desert. This is not a forested wilderness. 
So John sees the woman in a wilderness. The angel never explains that as a metaphor. You know, we, I, in my opinion, we should just take it literally because it's interesting that just a few chapters later in chapter 20, the identical phrase is used. It says, I was carried away in the spirit and there I saw, except now it's a great and high mountain. And I saw the heavenly Jerusalem descending from heaven uh, on this mountain. So of course we know that's literal there. I believe that John saw this city, saw this woman, uh, in a desert. And I think that's one of the literal descriptions that most commentaries I've read have skipped over. Now, with regard to the issue of the seven hills, is that literal or metaphorical? Well, the angel goes on and he says, the seven hills are, the, it's actually seven mountains, by the way. There's um, unos in the Greek and bunos. And the word there is better interpreted uh, as mounts or mountains. Of course, in the Middle East, um, you know, in Israel, their mountains are often what we would call hills, but that's neither here nor there. But um, And then it says they are also seven heads, and they are seven kings. Okay, so we know that the seven mountains are metaphorical. They're symbolic. Now, throughout the Bible, consistently, mountain is used as a symbol for a kingdom. And, of course, that makes sense because then he goes on. He says the seven heads are seven mountains. They are also seven kings, kings, kingdoms. Um, and so, as I mentioned earlier, the seven heads of the beast represent seven historical empires. Um, I believe that this is likewise simply speaking of seven historical empires. These are the primary uh, demonically charged, satanically uh, satanic strongholds in the earth, uh, if you will. So with this, with this understanding then, Babylon is really a concept that migrates. Um, so of course when Babylon was ruling over the Middle East, the city of Babylon was the city that was the stronghold of idolatry. Um, this was the stronghold of Satan in the earth. Now in the first century, and this is important to mention, in the first century Rome was the Babylon in the earth. Rome was the new Babylon. And in fact, in 1 Peter 5.13, Peter actually is in Rome, and he refers to Rome as Babylon. And so he uses Babylon as a code word for Rome. And you have a few other um, extra-canonical works, um, the Syllabine Oracles, as well as Second Estrus, where you have Christian and first-century Jewish non-biblical literature where they refer to Rome as Babylon. So we understand that Babylon is a it's, a, it's conceptual, it migrates, but today Rome is no longer the great persecuting city, uh, stronghold of Satan in the earth. Again, I'm a Protestant, so, you know, I have theological issues. I don't want to give you the wrong impression uh, with regard to Rome. However, again, I mentioned just a few weeks ago I was in northern Iraq. Um, you know, if you're in Iraq, if you're in Syria, Satan is not discriminating between whether or not you're a Protestant or you're a Catholic or you're Orthodox or Coptic. Satan is going after everyone who names the name of Jesus, whether they are truly born again or not. And again, I, as I said, I am a Protestant, I'm an evangelical, um, but I do believe that at times we can be a little bit more discriminating even than Satan. Satan wants to wipe out everything that has the name of Jesus on it, and that's you know, we, we still oftentimes, but we're saying, yeah, Muslims are beheading, you know, radical Muslims are beheading Catholics, but Catholics are the real problem. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we need to be careful of newspaper exegesis, which is to say we don't interpret the Bible based on what's going on in the earth because tomorrow can change. But there's a, there's also a point where you, you need to sort of face up with reality. 
And um, yeah, I think the church, you know, that is still focused primarily on Rome as the greatest embodiment of evil in the earth, we need to realize that the Reformation was 500 years ago, and the, Rome, the Roman Catholic Church is not beheading Protestants throughout the earth anymore. Um, over the past 20 years or so, a few of the popes have actually come out and publicly repented and apologized uh, for killing Christians. And so, you know, again, I don't want to... I don't want to downplay my theological disagreements with Rome, but we need some perspective here, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All right. And um, moving forward here, the one of the, the things that's interesting here that you point out, uh, can you expand on, on the statement that Mecca is the closest point to heaven in the Muslim faith? Yeah, so this is according to their... I guess I'll call it, I'm not sure of the proper term, but their, their spiritual topography, if you will. Uh, Muslims are taught, they believe, that Mecca is the closest point in the earth. Of course, they actually stated this in a literal sense back uh, in the 7th century. Uh, of course, they were wrong. You know, this would be, um, the, the Himalayan mountains are obviously the closest in terms of the highest mountains in the earth. But they actually taught that Mecca was the highest point in the earth that it was the closest point to heaven, and they specifically refer to it as Bab al-Jannah, or, or Bab Allah, which is to say it is the gate to heaven. Jannah, in Arabic, being the gate to heaven, so Bab al-Jannah, or Bab al-Allah, that they actually believe that, that the throne of Allah is immediately above the Kaaba. So as Muslims are circumambulating around the Kaaba, they teach that in heaven, that the angels and the jinn are circumambulating, are walking around the throne of Allah, which is immediately above the Kaaba. So in this sort of mystical, uh, again, topography, if that's the right term, or geography um, of, of, of Islam, they believe that Mecca is sort of the gateway to heaven, if you will. And of course, you know, I can't really comment on the physics or the mechanics in the spiritual mechanics of that. But I do believe that where, you know, uh, enough false worship has been carried out over the years, uh, arguably the, the greatest amount of idolatry in human history, that there is sort of some spiritual uh, physics taking place there. And if I don't like to necessarily use the word portal um, because I think it can stir up some strange ideas, but I think in the spirit we're dealing with a a spiritual portal, not to heaven, um, but to the underworld, to hell, to the, uh, you know, to the, the stronghold of Satan, as I've said. And so I, I find that very interesting in light of, I think, a lot of the understanding that's being opened up uh, in this arena by different prophecy teachers. Joel, we got about, we have a, 10 minutes left until the end of the segment. And I know that you, um, before the show, with the time that we had originally, you mapped this out to cover, um, something different in three different segments. So with the 10 minutes left, instead of me asking you your questions, I kind of want to let you take us where you want to go to make sure we cover what you want to cover uh, because we have the stuff about the arches and the gates, but we can always bring you back for another interview. So uh, what do you think is important to cover with the time we have left? Let me touch on the gates and the arches real quick, and then I'll touch on another topic that we need to hit, we need to hit before we close. So there's been a lot of discussion with the um, arches from the temple in Palmyra, the um, temple of Baal that was replicated and unveiled in New York City. Um, a lot of different prophecy teachers, Jonathan Kahn, some different folks have talked a lot about this. Um, 
I believe that the Lord has given this nation some very strong warnings. Uh, and we have not responded well. We have not repented. We have continued to go our own way. And I believe that this unveiling of the arches of Baal is sort of the next step in God's warning in terms of, because there's a biblical pattern that has been established with the knocking down of the Twin Towers. In ancient Israel, as the Lord was preparing Israel for the judgment, he was trying to get them to repent before he inevitably had to uh, judge them or chastise them as a loving father does to his children, he brought the Assyrians against Israel. That was a warning. Well, they didn't repent, and ultimately they continued their idolatry, including their worship of Baal. Eventually he brought the Assyrians against them. The northern kingdom of Israel was exiled, virtually uh, disappeared. Eventually the same judgment came on the southern kingdom of Judah, except it was the Babylonians. The Lord has always used pagans, as his rod of chastisement against his own children. And then after he chastises his children, he breaks that rod over his knee. Today, we have a very similar parallel. The Lord brought the Assyrians, the the, the, the spiritual Assyrians. The most literal bloodline Assyrians today are actually Christians. But he brought the, the ancient spiritual Assyrians. I'm talking about Al-Qaeda. I'm talking about ISIS. Again, these radical Wahhabi, Saudi-influenced, uh, jihadis to knock down the Twin Towers. The nation still hasn't repented. He's brought ISIS. Now we're having terrorist attacks spread throughout the nation. I believe that with a, every day that we don't repent, we continue to open the door to the Lord's judgment. And if we don't repent, I believe that a, a the day is coming. Call it the day of rage when there will not be 3,000. There will maybe not be 30,000. There could be 300,000 people killed in this nation or more. And, um, and I believe that the Lord is, is trumpeting to his people, his church, as well as the nation at large to repent and turn back to him and to cry out to their, the God of their creator, of their, um, the, the God of their creation, their, their creator, um, to have mercy on this nation. Okay. So that's, that's important. The other issue is this is I touched on the Saudi corruption. It says in the text that she has, um, she holds sway over the kings of the earth. She corrupts the kings of the earth. She seduces them with her harlotry. Specifically, when you look at some of the statements um, that I cite in the book, many, many statements, secular, you know, I, I work through a lot of secular literature to do a lot of the research for the book. We we go all the way back. Uh, the various presidents, senators, News outlets, corporations in the United States have been bought and paid for by the single foreign government, the single family. Uh, in the book, I just start with Jimmy Carter. I detail the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been given to him by the Saudi royal family, by the king of Saudi Arabia. He was actually on the board of the Carter Center when that was open, the presidential library. Of course, we skip forward to the Clintons when Hillary had to open up uh, uh, her finances, over $30 million from Saudi Arabia, over $100 million from Gulf Arabs. Listen, the Saudis don't give away $30 million because they really care about the Clinton uh, initiative or the, the Clinton Foundation because they care about AIDS in Africa and they're just great philanthropists. They are buying favor to someone that they believed was going to be president. Of course, that turned out to be a bad investment. Um, you know, with both of the Bushes, this is not just a Democrat issue. This hits both sides of the aisle. The Bushes, forget $30 million. Uh, in the book, House of Bush, House of Saud, 
Um, they, this uh, author, um, forgetting his name right now off the top of my head, but um, he details that the Bushes, between the two of them, received over $1.5 billion from the Saudi royal family. $1.5 billion. Now, the Bushes are a little bit better at sort of camouflaging it through sweetheart loans and different things like that, but, I mean, it is well documented. Of course, Barack Obama, he's a little bit harder to nail down. There was a lot of evidence early on that he was... He was educated, uh, funded by a very wealthy Saudi businessman, that he was in many ways a Manchurian candidate. Of course, you have the famous bow before the Saudi king that supposedly never happened. Um, and here we are today. We find ourselves with a new type of president, but the question remains, how will he relate to this abomination? Again, we, the United States, are in bed with the single greatest source of the greatest false religion that mankind has ever produced, that is slaughtering Christians throughout the earth. You look at what's happening in Nigeria. You look at what's happening in Syria and Iraq, and that falls right at the feet of the Saudis. And we treat them like our great ally in the war against terror. I mean, this is its so fundamentally illogical. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and yet we continue on with business as usual. And listen, I believe the Lord is doing a potentially miraculous thing with President Trump, and um, there's a lot of sort of um, a lot of things that have happened that in my cynicism I never believed I would see, and yet we're seeing it. And so I'm praying and I'm crying out that this current administration would wake up and realize that we're we're in bed with the devil. And yes, we have to be diplomatic, and I understand that we have to walk softly and carefully and in, in, in terms of what we say publicly. But I'm praying this administration will wake up to the fact that we can no longer, you know, you can't go and make demands of Abbas and the Palestinians and say, we can't have any type of peace deal unless you make all these concessions, unless you, you moderate, and then turn around and not make radically um, identical demands of Saudi Arabia and, and still relate to them as if they are our friend. It's an abomination. It is an absolute abomination. And so I'm not seeing any changes yet from this administration in terms of the status quo, the way that we have related to the Saudis, but I'm praying that they'll wake up. I'm, I, I'm, I see a lot of wise men that have gathered around this current president and this administration. There's a lot of godly men in this administration and women, and so I'm praying that we would see a sea change in terms of the way that we relate to this perverse, corrupt um, kingdom that, um, you know, if we don't, if we don't, then we will reap the fruit of it. And we may, it may already be too late. But every Christian, every praying Christian, every politically active conservative that loves this nation needs to trumpet this message. Um, it, it's a non-negotiable. Amen. Folks, again, we're talking uh, with Joel Richardson. His website is joelstrumpet.com. Uh, pick up the Mystery Babylon book. Uh, the promo for tonight is Babylon Bundle. Hagman and Hagman listeners get 20% off, but if you go to joelstrumpet.com and sign up for the newsletter, you can receive another 10% off, totaling 30% off Babylon's Bundle. For those watching on YouTube, it's live up on screen. And don't forget to bookmark Joel's website, joelstrumpet.com, because there's all kinds of other content and, and great information there as well. And I want to thank uh, Joel Richardson for putting this, this savings together for Hagman listeners. Folks, you you have no idea, or maybe you do, how little revenue is generated from um, the, this type of this type of you know the publication of books and such. Um, this is a great gift 
to you. Take advantage of it. Go take advantage of the Babylon bundle for tonight. Uh, Mr. Richardson's been very gracious with with this, and uh, so what, what I've actually done just to make it just to make it simple, I actually for the next week or so, the next week or two, I'm just applying that twenty percent discount. So. I'm it's for Hagman and Hagman listeners, but really anyone that goes for the next week or two, that'll just be there. You don't actually even have to type in. I'm just going to make it easy. You don't even have to type in the code. Um, but the, when you do sign up for the newsletter, it automatically applies that extra 10% discount. So just to make that uh, easier. Well, well, thank you for that, Joel. Um, we got about a minute and a half left, left and we're definitely going to have to bring you back on because we, we you know just scratched the surface with some of this stuff. And I'm sure there's a lot more questions that not only uh, we have, but our audience has as well. Um, any closing thoughts in the in the minute we have left? No, you know, like I said, uh, you know, five, six months ago, I was incredibly cynical with regard to the future direction of this nation. I've seen a lot of miraculous things. Um, it was a little bit of a slap in the face in terms of my cynicism. You know, it's kind of like Job. I put my hand over my mouth. I said, I never believed I would see this day but we have a long ways to go, and I just really want to appeal to Christians out there. Don't stop praying. Don't think that now is not the time to prepare. We are in this window. We are in this season. I believe we're in a Joseph season. Now is the time to prepare because the famine is indeed coming. And um, continue to pray. Continue to prepare. Don't let up. And perhaps we'll see some greater miracles in the future as well. Well, fantastic. Uh, again, folks, Joel Richardson is our guest. Mystery Babylon talking about why the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is what Revelation 17 and 18 describes as Mystery Babylon. Uh, we, we just spent an hour, uh, talking about a number of different points, tying together some of the things, but get the book, Mystery Babylon, from Joel's website, uh, joelstrumpet.com. Joel, we want to thank you for, for spending the time with us tonight, and we look forward to having you back on in the future. And again, thank you for extending that offer for our listeners. Um, fascinating interview. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I deeply appreciate it. All right, you take care, and God bless. Folks, when we come back, we will be joined, as we are each and every Tuesday night in hour number three with Standale. Go to standale.com, check out the show images page, and see what we will be talking about in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, danielholdings.com. That's danielholdings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to danielholdings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. just a second but want to give a quick shout out to some listeners in chat we have Rafal in Poland Tom and Laura in Canada uh, Alicia in the Netherlands and Edward B want to say a special shout out to you and thank you guys for checking in with us we have Standeo from Standeo.com with us he joins us each and every Tuesday in hour number three folks go to Standeo.com and when you're there bookmark it after you're done bookmarking it Scroll down, and on the right-hand side, you'll see a microphone, um, and then you'll see Show Images. You click on the Show Images, and Stan puts uh, excellent graphics of all the things he's been researching and wants to talk about together, so we can not only talk about um, some of these things, but we can also uh, look at them visually and, and see what's going on. Stan, very busy week. Welcome back to the show. Yes, it is a busy week. What a way to start. Hey, a couple yeah, of really interesting get- things in the news. Well, grab your attention first. Well, if we're going to start with the news real quick, um, you know, we we spent the first hour, uh, my dad and I, talking about James Comey and the Trump firing. Um, My dad and me have similar but differing opinions, at least in the fact that um, that the the left is going to, you know, make a case for impeachment with Trump about this, and I I just you know scratch my head and say, you know, well, what's how's that different from you know, the, the first uh, 120 days or however long into his presidency we are in. Um, but what do you think of, of, of this? Um, you know, many people are saying he's abusing his power, which 
at least from his job description, he's he's well within his authority, or he's covering up for the Russia investigation by by letting Comey go, um, which you know we haven't seen anything uh, tying Trump and Russia together uh, that when in the way that they claim. Um, do you think this was a Comey's incompetence or, or the mistakes he made during the the campaign and and just even yesterday where the the FBI had to go and change his testimony about Huma Abedin's emails? Um, because he said that there was hundreds of thousands of emails that Huma forwarded to Anthony Weiner, her husband, for him to print out. But Comey came out and said, well, Weiner did not read those emails. I don't know how he knows that. But uh, they had to go change his testimony to say it was only, you know, a few emails. Um, and he's made a number of mistakes, you know, in the last year. But what are your thoughts on all this? Well, first of all, um he shouldn't have injected himself into the political arena during an election year with that. He should have given it to the uh, attorney general's office. Uh, that's, you know, the charter of the FBI. They investigate these things and things that need to potentially have, uh, you know, the adjudication that they go to the, the attorney general. And, uh, you know, that, that step was not taken. He just went straight to the press with it, which was really, uh, not called for. It was uh, acting like uh, Jack Hoover did occasionally with the, the amount of power he uh, managed to amass in the FBI. Now, I did work uh, for the FBI undercover in 1970-71, as I've stated before. There were about 700 of us that were recruited uh, to um, investigate. Um, well, I'm not sure whether it was for uh, Director Hoover or against him, but we were investigating things that were not supposed to be happening within the FBI in Washington area. Um, and um, my part of the investigation kind of identified uh, one of the uh, the Washington area uh, head of the Bureau under Hoover as doing something he shouldn't uh, with the next administration. And uh, I just had to be in the right place at the right time to do that. So I do know that there were two factions inside the FBI at that time, in 1971, that there were the guys that supported Hoover and his, you know, control of all the information he had on all kinds of stuff, you know, kind of a dictatorial uh, structure. And there were those that opposed that and wanted to, you know, Nixon to appoint a new guy for the, the head of the FBI. So um, I know that the FBI is uh, a leaky sieve at this point. Uh, even the agents that I worked with there been long retired out of it, uh, you know, got out of it as well, because of this internal war within the FBI. Now, is Comey, you know, is he like Hoover in this instance? Um, do I support the fact that he should have been uh, uh, removed from his uh, position there? Yes, I do. Not because I'm a Trumpite, but because of my former experience with the FBI and knowing, you know, the failings of the organization, like any organization after a period of time. So, does that mean that, uh, as far as what Comey did, uh, was trying to do with the Russian uh, investigation and, and the links to Trump and his administration? I think, you know, that there might be uh, certainly uh, some some gain in evidence if they want to investigate to that with an independent judicial or investigative committee, but not with, you know, the FBI, the CIA. Let's just let's have them appoint a, you know, a fair and balanced type committee if you can find such and go ahead and look at that now you know the the left and some of the extreme uh, republicans as well don't want trump in office and they're looking for any excuse to bring him down to to try to uh, uh, impeach him and then
that's what this is all about. I, I think it's you know it's not not shouldn't be the done thing. They should stop this. They're wasting a lot of time and resources. But if there is some really some evidence that um, you know Trump has personal reasons uh, to support you know the, the not investigating the the Russian connection with uh, Trump is appointees after his election. Okay, you know. Be fair yeah. about it, but I really don't think it's there. No, I agree. When it comes to the, the Russia investigation, um, I, I believe with with all my heart that if there was anything there, they would have they would have grabbed it and leaked it to the press. They would have been screaming it, you know, on the rooftops already. Uh, they would have done everything in their power to get that information out in order to, you know, continue their efforts to delegitimize Trump and 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 try to paint him as some kind of foreign operative. Um, and they, they have nothing, and people have testified, including Comey himself, who's made statements that there's nothing there between Trump campaign and the Russian election interference or collusion. You know, first it was Russian hacking, then it was collusion, then it was meddling. They can't even get their story right with that. Um, but Stan, one more question as it uh, pertains to Comey. The, 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 when this happened with Nixon, and, and people are trying to equate these two, um, when, when Nixon uh, removed the special prosecutor and this Archibald Cox, right? What, what do you say when they say when when the left or, or whoever is saying that this is a Nixonian, um, very similar to what Nixon did, and it, and it ties into the investigation, but in the same time it doesn't. Um, and you guys were around for those days, Dad and Stan. Yeah, and uh, is this related? Yeah. Is this similar uh, to what Nixon did, in your opinion? Doug, what do you think? Well, well, the context here is important, Stan. Just briefly, um, the, the Nixon situation started with a tape, uh, January, uh, January, or June 23rd, 1972, there was a tape that uh, Archibald Cox wanted released, and um, Nixon refused to release it. And um, the progression of events from 1972 to 1974 are very interesting. Uh, Nixon pressed, uh, uh, or uh, Nixon pressed Archibald Cox, who subpoenaed the tapes, uh, that, that specific tape, uh, from January, or June 23rd, 1972, um, when Nixon declined to release that particular tape uh, Nixon told his attorney general at the time to fire Archibald Cox a special prosecutor the attorney general said no fired Nixon fired the attorney general then directed the deputy AG to uh, to uh, uh, fire Archibald Cox the deputy attorney general said no and he was fired and the it's not at the time it wasn't really about the um, it was about it was about the consequences more than the actual series of events um, in the Nixon era. Perhaps more uh, contextually applicable would be the firing of uh, William Sessions by Bill Clinton during his presidency. However, in terms of factual context, however, the political ramifications. And the consequences of the firing are more Nixonian, or at least this is how it's going to be portrayed by the progressive left. I don't, I don't know if I overcomplicated that, but but the bottom line it's it's about it's about it's about optics, you know. It's about how uh, the progressive left is going to frame, in my view, the firing 
and it's going to take on this Nixonian feel, referencing Archibald Cox as a special prosecutor, and as a result of his firing, the consequences led to the August 8, 1974, um, the impeachment, and then the resignation, August uh, 8, 1974, of Richard Nixon. However, that's how I believe it's going to be set up. I don't know if that complicated matters, but I think that we have to look at the context in which this is uh, about to play out and the optics behind it, as opposed to the facts, because the optics appear to be dominating the field. Did I, did you know, I, did I just confuse everything? Oh, not, not really. I understand what you're saying. I, I'm picking up what you were saying, because in 1972, well, back in late 1971, I was gone from the States for 30 years. So my access to, you know, any of that sort of uh, information was through the news media, which, you know, it was probably more reliable than it is now, but it wasn't that, that good then. Um, when when I was working uh, with them, uh, with the FBI, uh, one of the things that the director was, uh, Director Hoover, was very, uh, very much involved in was investigating uh, the group called the Illuminati, um, and they did use that term inside the agency. Um, and part of what I was reporting was involved with uh, feedback on that to, to them about the Illuminati and about uh, the war within the FBI. Now, <clears throat> I I know that Director Hoover did a lot of strange things, uh, and that's a matter of history now, but at the time we didn't uh, know that. Um, but he was trying to uh, isolate, identify, and perhaps neutralize, if he could, the Illuminists in this country that were taking over the United States. So that was because of all the information he had in his his files on everybody and everything. He, he was a, a data collector from the time he started it in the agency years before that. Now you look at Comey; he takes over the position after several other guys, you know, were appointed the director of the FBI within ensuing years between you know seventy three and, and uh, two thousand thirteen. Um, now Comey had access still. I guess after today he won't, but he had access to all of the files that Hoover left behind, as far as we know, which meant he would have had information on the Illuminists and their operation. Now, you would think that what he did with the the emails to Clinton, uh, about Clinton, uh, before the election, uh, was damning evidence to get rid of, of Hillary, and uh, yet they're now saying that they think the Democratic side may support uh Comey's position, um, but that he was you know, unjustly fired from his position for whatever reason. And so when you have the Democrats supporting Comey, it makes me wonder, did he did he continue the investigation by Hoover and uh, bury it, you know, or you know, was he helping the left or the Illuminists? Because he was in a position on top of a, data, of a database that had everything that all of us that are called conspiracy theorists about the world government and the Illuminati, everything that was humanly possible together in this country, Hoover had that in that file. You just, but as they computerized, it became more and more evident how much the the, the amount of the, the uh, data was on this Illuminati. 
are throwing junk at us in the news. You know, just just fake news and some real news. And it's a there are so many ways to remove a president. There's so many ways to remove a FBI or you know affect changes in the Attorney General's Department. Uh, there's so many options that we don't know unless we're you know legal uh, eagles and students of the Constitution. I'm sitting back and just watching. I don't know who to trust, quite honestly, at this point in this whole melee of, of junk. Okay, and I mean that's a, a fair analysis. I'm with you, Stan. It's it's so convoluted anymore, um, and I have no faith in in the political system or the, the people in there. You know, when we're talking about 99.9 percent of them. And it is just one, you know, big giant dog and pony show, and it, and it, it is, um, it's been a disgrace, and it's just getting worse and worse. And then the media piggybacking off it, feeding into, you know, the the false narrative and the lies, and, and the public's, you know, invoking their emotions. It's um, it's very damaging, and it, and it creates a lot of confusion and chaos. So if we can, let's move to another topic that I know a lot of the listeners have been asking about that we have not touched on yet, and that is that the uh, the emergency that was declared at the U.S. Hanford nuclear waste site after a tunnel collapsed. Uh, the U.S. Department of Energy declared an emergency at Hanford, Washington, nuclear waste storage site after a cave-in of a tunnel used to store radioactive materials and equipment. There is a there, Since this has happened, there has been a no-fly zone over the area implemented. Uh, workers were told, 3,000 workers were told to take cover um, as well as, uh, and that was expanded to the entire site, which the site is about half the size of Rhode Island. And a portion of the tunnel near the plutonium-uranium extraction plant collapsed. And it's uncertain exactly what's under there, but there should, from reports I've read there, they said they stored about 56 million gallons, or 56, yeah, 56 million gallons of, of radioactive fuel that was, have been stored down there, toxic fuel that has been stored down there for, for quite a while. Uh, and fuel rods from the 1960s is do you think there's a lot more do you think there's a this is a, a huge uh, incident is it yet to be determined what are your initial thoughts on this Stan well before I get to that I, I, I just want to finish up one last thing on the Comey thing what you and I are saying and, and Doug as well as many others is that we're dissatisfied with government and the politics of the, of the government in this country. But this is not just an American problem. The people of France, of England, you know, of all kinds of countries are dissatisfied with the way their governments have been handling and are handling the affairs of their countries. People are losing faith in their leadership. And one of the things that under Hoover, you know, the investigation that I continued about the Illuminists was the the document called the the uh, the learned elders uh, the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, which are not Jewish but uh, Zionist, uh, you know, conspiracies, whatever. But this is a spurious document, you know, a fake document written by uh, the Russians and adopted by uh, Hitler to uh, give an excuse to get rid of the Jews. Now, <clears throat> the whoever wrote this document, whatever religion or country they came from, whoever wrote that document, one of the mandates that they put in there did say that they would make the people of the earth so dissatisfied with their leadership that they would cry out for a new independent king of the planet. That's the the the, uh, the global dictator, the antichrist spoken of in the Bible, I'm sure. And these guys, whoever wrote those protocols for real, and we think it was a German, or sorry, a Russian general that had it commissioned, uh, 
had a plan in play before World War II about how to bring this about globally. And we're seeing this now, like you, uh, Doug and Joe and I were talking, you were saying, we're unhappy with the political situation. We're, we, we don't trust them. And that's just our country. And we're not the, alone. All the other countries, peoples are doing this too. That we are being primed globally to want to get rid of the quote-unquote luminous leadership of the world and take on a new, you know, trusted king, which will probably be this one backed by the uh, alleged alien brothers in the land. Anyway, that's the last thing I want to say on that Comey issue. And now to the Hanford uh, reactor site. Um, The Hanford site, over the years since, oh, 1942, I think they started investigating the area to, uh, you know, the Hanford area. They uh, decided to, that that place would be a great location for the reactor they needed to, uh, to have the uranium reaction and uh, to get the plutonium they needed for the atomic bombs to, to uh, bomb uh, Japan. The Trinity bomb, the first one there, the, the plutonium for that came from the, the Hanford facility, from reactor uh, B in, in September of 1944. And um, the, the, uh, the fat boy bomb that went over uh, uh, Japan as well that bomb, the the, the uh, plutonium fuel for that was made there at the Hanford site. Now, as you pointed out when you were discussing this about the amount of radioactive waste and stuff there at the Hanford uh, facility, uh, it is the uh, the most contaminated, uh, contaminated, you know, radiation contaminated nuclear site in the United States today, and they've been for years now then uh, proposing and doing various types of cleanup to try to clean up the site and all the, the mistakes that were made as far as storing the, the waste material from the radiation uh, production, you know, from the nuclear radiation products pr- production there. And because they didn't know enough about uh, storing material safely, they're seeing that there are double shell tanks that are breaking apart and it was corrosion at the bottom and leaking into the ground. And they're only six and a half miles or so from the Columbia River, river so it's potential is that it can contaminate the groundwater and feed into the water source. So the government, you know, FEMA, they've been painfully aware of this for years. And um, they, uh, they've they been monitoring these tanks now then uh, every three years to, to try to avoid any major radioactive uh, catastrophe. Now, they collapse this one little part of the shaft. You can see it on my show images page there, uh, image 43, shows uh, a video uh, or a still from a video a news team did there to show the collapsed area and you can see from the size of it there and comparing to the uh, whatever that gizmo is down there with tires on you can see it's not a large hole but it did collapse over this long buried tunnel which has rail cars and all kinds of other containers stored in it with all the radioactive waste now because of this uh, situation um there are other factors that they're having the, the 3,000 employees you talked about go to safety and stay indoors or whatever. There are other factors because in these tunnels, there were also stored a beryllium byproduct, beryllium powder. And if it gets airborne and you sniff it, you're in deep trouble because it, it uh, you know, it, it, it produces a lung disease called chronic beryllium, you know, disease, CBD. Uh, I have it too. I have it in my right lung and the lower part of it scars your lungs and um, there's no cure for it. You just have to deal with it over periods of time. So that's why they're they're telling people, you know, stay indoors uh, as much for the potential radioactive uh, dust that may come out of it 
that spreads out very quickly and then you can breathe it or touch it. Even if you touch beryllium, uh, various compounds of it, it'll go through your skin and you develop the, uh, the uh, beryllium uh, disease in the, in the lungs. I don't know why it, it does that, but it does. Anyway, that's part of it, why they're doing that. Now, it, it's odd. If you go to the Hanford site, um, they have a, a public meeting. They're holding on, on the 17th, uh, another eight days. It's strange that that happens, that this collapse occurs now, and they're having a Hanford site cleanup priorities meeting with the public on May the 17th. I, I, that's kind of uh, coincidental, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that was scheduled before. Well, the, the, this event. Well, yeah, it was. As far as I know, There's yeah. Ongoing so issues. It's on the, if you go to their Hanford site, and uh, you know, it says uh, you know right up on the the thing there, the cleanup priorities. They've, they've been doing this. I mean, it's not a new thing. They've been uh, having public meetings on the cleanup uh, for several years now. Then, uh, because of the the urgency, you know that. Uh, uh, yeah that has developed with the leakages and various things like that. Let me just see here if I can get over to this. Yeah, Stan, um, I was looking today, and, and uh, uh, John me, John brought this to my attention today, and uh, one of the first things I found was from May 14th or 15th of last year that dealt with uh, some kind of incident they had where it, I don't know if it was something that, that happened or if it was just a, a, a steady leak, but the radioactive levels had increased uh, there for some reason, and the the they tried to say it was natural radiation, but there was no way that it could have been natural radiation. Um, but they have been having uh, safety and contamination issues for a number of years now. So I'm oh, not yeah. sure if if that's just good timing, you know, uh, or if they'll even you know move that date up uh, because they're telling people to shelter in place, you know, don't come outside, uh, evacuating yep. the employees, and it's a big site. And, you know, 56 million gallons of, of radioactive uh, fuel stored underneath in, a, in 177 different uh, containers. And and that's just what was stored underneath there. Who knows what else is happening? Uh, I guess my question is, you know, we, we can't know what kind of damage or the potential damage that this could do uh, to the public. Um, but do you trust the... the would you trust... Do you believe the government would issue... Uh, warnings or, or tell the truth of the extent of the damage if it was really bad? Uh, probably not, uh, you know, directly or openly in a press announcement or something like that. They might announce to various uh, uh, operations they perform under FEMA or something like that. So we're going to address this issue here, and at the same time, they'd be cleaning up a lot of the other stuff we're trying to that might be a threat. Uh, you know, I've, I've often wondered if I were in charge of a government uh, and something like this happened, how much would I reveal immediately and openly to the public, you know, to avoid uh, panic, uh, property value collapses, um, you know, uh, food industry impacts if it's got a water source and food supplies connected to it. You know, it, people are people, and, and they will react like a herd sometimes and do more damage than the actual thing that you'd be telling them. So would I, mm, you know, I'm 50-50 whether I would make it obviously uh, an open statement at that moment uh, in the interest of trying to clean up the problem rather than okay. create one even bigger. Okay. Uh, folks, we're talking enough? with... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stan, we're up against the break. Folks, we are up against the break. We're talking with Stan Dale. 
standeo.com is the website. Make sure you bookmark it and check out the show images page, which uh, we use each and every time Stan comes on. A lot of wisdom there, folks. And the site is, is fantastic for content, uh, both, you know, national, international, uh, the photo of the day, uh, and, and all kinds of other great stuff. They, they've put together a tremendous user-friendly website that... Uh, and it's a great place to start your day. So, again, standeo.com is the website. And Stan will be back with us uh, for the end of the show for the next segment. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Postman Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Remedies Kit. It contains 12 homeopathic remedies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Remedies Kit at www.changewilsonwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this 
edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, a heavy news day, uh, just a tremendously heavy news day. In my view, uh, to mark today on your calendar, it is May 9th, 2017. The ripples from the events of today will be felt um, henceforth. And I'm, I don't want to overstate, but I certainly do not want to understate the importance of what is taking place today. And it's all about the optics. It's about the narrative, two words I really don't care much for. But, uh, you know, it's that over the facts. And uh, Stan Deo uh, bringing plenty of wisdom to the situation today um, in his uh, analysis. And, of course, uh, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of respect for Stan and, and his uh, his uh, wisdom about geopolitical and political events. Before we get back to Stan, T.C. Joseph, This Generation Series of Novels. Folks, uh, I cannot recommend highly, any higher than, um, than, than I already am right now. Uh, T.C. Joseph is just a fantastic writer. He has written a, a trilogy of books. Precipice is book one. Pentecost, book two. And book three is Penance in this trilogy. And if you want a glimpse of current events through a somewhat fictionalized, well, a fictionalized uh, uh, type of uh, account, this is it. We have used his three books as tools to awaken others who would be turned off by direct information. These are three great books, Precipice, Pentecost, and Penance, all getting great reviews from Kirkus and Blue Ink, uh, very, very tough uh, uh, reviewing sites. Find uh, Folks, find his books on Amazon or go to uh, this generation series. T.C. Joseph, an amazing author. Joe? Absolutely. And I believe he's coming up uh, sometime in the near future to be on the show. I just got the thumbs up. So that is a go. And that's going to be a very interesting interview. Looking forward to that. Folks, uh, each and every Tuesday, Standeo is our guest in the third hour. And he his website is standeo.com. Check out the show images page again. And um, there you can find the uh, different things that Stan has been researching and working on to, to bring on to the show and, and talk about. Um, Stan, we covered James Comey. We covered the Hanford nuclear um, facility and and the uh, poten- potential emergency situation that's going on there with a tunnel collapsing and um, toxic nuclear fuel possibly uh, contaminating the area. That is yet to be seen. What else do you want to get in tonight? I see a number of things up on the, the show images page, um, a whole bunch of stuff that, that you got up there. So where do you want to go? Probably, um, you know, um, changes in the sun and uh, earthquakes. Uh, one thing I did add, which you won't see uh, immediately, but look down at image 26. It's just uh, a, a snap of Google Earth in the Middle East with the countries outlined because so many times people, if they don't look at this every day at maps and stuff, they'll say, oh, it's something happening in Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq or Saudi Arabia, Turkey. And because of the, a lot of the news that we're covering from week to week does mention, you know, the Kurds or the Turkish and, you know, Syria. So if you click on that, uh, when you've got a question about where one of those countries is, that, that pretty much shows the Middle East as you need to see it, and you can refer to that. Now, getting back at the moment to the problems with the um, the sun, <clears throat> image 39, um, part 38, uh, 35, and 32, um, these are all to deal with the uh, with the sun and with the call 
quote, warming. Um, image 35, uh, you can read an article there about there's the, the global temperature could exceed 1.5 degrees Celsius average. Now, that's a Washington Post article, and the reason that's important is one to one and a half to two degrees Celsius up or down on average for the whole planet can throw us into an ice age or the reverse of it. Now, um, historically, you like the Great Ice Age, it was at least a two degrees and a degree drop across the planet, and that's what did that. But here, they're saying we're going the opposite direction in that image, you know, 35 in the Washington Post article from, you know, NASA Day and stuff like that. But if you look over in, uh, in image 32, they're saying that it, it, this guy here, uh, it's from, you know, uh, uh, the Netherlands or Denmark or something. Anyway, I'll just find his name. Anyway, this scientist is saying that we're looking for a little ice age to begin in the next three years. I mean, he, he even put I saw you know, that. The, the timing on it. Now, that's going the opposite direction of what you would expect for, you know, uh, an increase in the temperature of global warming for the whole planet. Uh, I do understand how that could happen in isolated areas where there would be a new uh, mini ice age because the heating of the planet goes to another place. And But I don't see the evidence of that uh, in the article or in the, the video. But you can have a look at it and see what the guy says. Um, uh, the... Uh, uh, okay, and above that, uh, on the show images page, we have uh, the uh, image 38 we're looking for here, if I can get to it. Oh, come on, give me my show here. Computers. Okay. <laughs> image 38. Okay, it, it tells you the consequences. Uh, and this is a NASA article, which is probably, believe it or not, more reliable than the rest of the stuff that we're seeing. And that will give you a discussion of the pros and cons of temperature changes up and down for making climate change. Something is happening. We are seeing uh, warming of the Arctic, warming of the Antarctic, melting of ice uh, uh, flows or, and glaciers and stuff. And uh, we're seeing changes in uh, you know the weather, uh, catastrophic floods and storms and tornado numbers and stuff like that. And we're supposed to be, as Image 39 shows, in a time of of reduced sunspot activity on the sun. This is kind of not the best way to tell about what's happening on the sun. The best way is to measure certain uh, frequency ranges that are being emitted in the ultraviolet and visible and non-visible light wave, uh, uh, you know, um, frequency bands. But also, you look at the irradiance, the amount of energy being put out by the sun. And there's, they're talking about this in... Um, uh, spaceweather.com, they were talking about uh, measuring uh, stealth uh, solar storms. They don't have a CME, they don't have a big explosion. All of a sudden, you have this uh, stealth, un undetected magnetic storm heading your way. We have one of those on the way here now. Um, it won't be a you know a horribly damaging thing, but it kind of sneaked up on us. So you click on 37, 38, uh, and you can read about uh, the, the production of these stealth uh, solar storms. They're primarily magnetic storms, the way we would see them. But um, you can see that there are things happening on the sun that are not normal. They, they, the amount of flares and the uh, coronal mass ejections we're getting for this time in the cycle of the sunspot cycle, to me, it says that we're seeing changes in the sun that are uh, atypical. They, they're unusual. Um, and, and these affect how you eat and how countries you know, fight each other over food resources and stuff like that. 
and over availability of fresh water and uh, the amount of damage from catastrophic storms that uh, result from increased uh, output in the uranium and various other uh, factors of the sun. And I think we're seeing an increase in the ultraviolet spectra of the sun, which is why people are squinting and their eyes are watering out the sunshine because of the increased ultraviolet that's getting through. And that's also due to the weakening of the Earth's magnetic field, which is a, a proven fact. And that field creates the shields in the atmosphere that we need to block out the ultraviolet that you know can sterilize the whole planet. So that's you know that's on my my watch list. I, I look at 31 now, then um, image 31 and image 41, which are on earthquakes. 41 just shows you the snap of the last seven days of earthquakes on the planet according to USGS plot, and these are earthquakes that are you know 2.5 magnitude and above. Uh, up to, you know, just a little over Richter 6, we see some up in the Aleutians, or one up in the Aleutians, one over in Japan, the Southern Islands there near Okinawa. Um, and you can see the the uh, the, uh, the index down at the bottom, it says, you know, color-wise, what hour, day, you know, age it is, what day, what week, and then the circle size of the magnitude. Now, what I'm seeing from this is that we're seeing a lot of activity up in the Aleutians, we're starting to see more Richter 2.5s in the last week. Uh, one in the, uh, it, it's above a Richter 2.5, I can't remember the exact value, but it's in the southern part of the Juan de Fuca plate, which is dangerous. And you know, on the California coast, we're seeing underneath that a number of smaller earthquakes, but clusters of them. Um, and before that, uh, even last month, we had a bunch of earthquakes down on the west coast of South America, you know, Chile, Peru, and that area and even a couple up to Ecuador and then Central America, possibly indicating we're going to see more activity here on the west coast of the United States, perhaps leading up to the big one. Uh, certainly the activity we're seeing on the western Pacific side of the Ring of Fire, the Arc of Fire, is interesting. I, it is it is unusual, and I'm not the only one to say this. If you uh, do follow Dutch Sense uh, and his uh, earthquake analyses, go to image uh, uh, 31, click on his uh, uh, video, which gives you an assessment of what he sees in the increase in quakes in the Western Pacific, just like I was just saying. So I think considering those two uh, uh, reports would be of great value to us. And if you live in California, West Coast, Washington State, oh, that's an interesting thing when you think about it. If we have a major quake up, uh, or a series of them up in Washington, is it going to hit you know, in the area of the Hanford reactor, you know, and complicate the problems. Yeah. Maybe we could have our own version of a Fukushima there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting point, Stan. And, you know, back just real quick back to the sun, because um, I, I think this is really, really neat, because you've been on coming on our show for a long time now, and when the sun was in the solar maximum cycle, you know, we were you were talking about a lot of these things also, about how the sun affects the climate, and you know we're not only seeing the the Earth's climate being changed. We're also seeing you know uh, the the temperatures on, on other uh, places in in the solar system that are changing. And now when we're at a solar minimum, it's interesting to to go back you know to those um, shows that you did before talking about the solar maximum and the, and the changes in the sun. And then from what you described um, also is that the sun uh, can affect earthquakes or have an impact on on uh, the, the tectonic plates, which it's definitely something that we, we need to watch, uh, especially on that West Coast, in relation to the, the Hanford nuclear site. And, 
you know, so much, so much going on right now. Uh, I wanted to ask you, while we're talking about the sun, I don't know if this is something that you monitor on a regular basis. The Earth's magnetic field, um, one, if you have been monitoring it, have you been noticing any uh, strange anomalies? And two, um, what's the sun's connection to the Earth's magnetic field, if any? Well, the sun is uh, just uh, abs- absolutely connected, like a you know a strong um, tie to our magnetic field, because uh, the the sun emits uh, protons and other particles of um, elements um, in what's called you know the solar wind, and it's kind of like a if you know what a Catherine wheel is, it's uh, arms on a you know spinning around a you know a circular point, and they're like sprayed arms, like a galaxy looks, you know, like a spiral galaxy. And the density of the solar wind uh, varies from in between those solar arms of the solar wind uh, and to the void spaces in between, which really aren't void, they're just less solar wind. So in essence, we get solar wind constantly. But because there are these charged positive uh, proton particles in there, we're seeing that they impact our outer atmosphere into the ionosphere, and they travel down into the core of the planet and back out, uh, informing this you know, ionized layer of the you know the atmosphere, the atmosphere. But in the process of doing that, these charged magnetic particles, in essence, physically hit the Earth's magnetopause, which is the field around us, the magnetic field, and they compress it. And if the polarity is uh, you know not what it uh, normally is, or not as strong as it should be, it's not reinforcing our magnetic field. It's helping to decay the Earth's magnetic field. I know that when planets form, uh, as do stars and things, that they age and their characteristics change. And in planets, they have uh, a molten core, and they have movement of that core with a conductor in it. And most things will conduct if you get them to a high enough temperature. Uh, but anyway, these circulating uh, molten elements inside the Earth, in, in this case, are generating a, a dyn- uh, like a dynamic generator, a dynamo inside the Earth that creates a, uh, a positive, you know, DC flow of current, and this makes the Earth a big magnet. Now, uh, and that generates the field which holds in you know the particles of the atmosphere that we need to, to you know, in the ozone layer to shield us from the ultraviolet and other uh, uh, like gamma radiation stuff from deep space explosions of other stars. So the magnetic connection between the sun and the earth is important, uh, and it's important as long as it sustains our magnetic field, and it's important as long as it shields us from external radiations and its own radiations that are harmful to life. So it's very important to watch this, and that's that's why a lot of us are watching the uh, ozone layer, uh, you know, and the holes in the ozone layer uh, around the planet. Uh, I've been in those in the years past in, in Australia, and uh, they weren't as prevalent then as they are now. Um, mainly, you would see them over the South Atlantic in the uh, South Atlantic anomaly, the magnetic anomaly there. Uh, we don't even like to, the United States and Russia don't even like to send astronauts through that area of the upper atmosphere there because it's so unshielded that you need extra shielding to protect your crew from the radiation from the sun. Anyway, that's we are connected, and the decay of the Earth's magnetic field is uh, long term. It is slowing. You know, it's it's lowering the field. It's uh, the rate of decay is kind of leveling out. But it tells us that at some point in the future, 
reasonably near future that the Earth's core will cool it, be cool enough to become solid. When that happens, our magnetic field will probably be totally gone uh, to any usable, you know, strength. Um, and the reports, you know, that they've been able to deduce from ancient records in the uh, in Europe and uh, in England do show that the magnetic field is on a an exponential decay curve. It's getting weaker, weaker, weaker. And from that, they have been able to backtrack to when the Earth was all molten and say, okay, when it was all molten, the whole thing was a magnet, you know, the dynamic spinning, you know, molten rock and lava and stuff. Okay, it was a it was a big magnet. And they, when a magnetic field is formed in an electric circuit, there's something called a hysteresis point where the heat uh, won't allow the, the uh, magnetic field to to be unified, it'll be random, it'll be chaotic. But it cool beneath a certain temperature at this history point, you can tell that the Earth uh, started 40 to 50,000 years ago at maximum as a molten ball. And at some point thereafter, the surface cooled, and then we had the mantle cooling a little bit where it became semi-plastic. And so we had a, a magnet that was not destroyed by the hysteresis effect, and that enabled us to tell scientifically reasonably good that the Earth was 40,000 to 50,000 years ago when it was formed by that kind of analysis. I'm not saying it wasn't a biblical thing of, you know, six to 12,000 years, but uh, anyway, it's getting closer to a young Earth when we look at the magnetic field. And I digress, but anyway, that was the connection between the sun, magnetic field, and, and ours. Well, thanks for that, that explanation. And I know um, there used to be a, a great site to monitor the mag- the Earth's magnetosphere and and the fluctuations and changes that it went through, and that was taken down some years ago. And now there's a few sites that do have it up there, but they don't have it. Doesn't go into the same detail as it used to. Um, and and that, that's just some, something that's uh, I knew it was connected. I just don't know how how that all works. And I appreciate you explaining that for us. Um, uh, moving forward here, and I'm looking around on on your show images page. I see a story I want to get into, but we'll save that the good one for last on the uh, the the Christian couple. Uh, I want to save that one for last. If we can go to number 34, right. Chinese supercomputers threaten U.S. security. Um, we've seen a number of of interesting AI uh, and other uh, you know technologically related. Um, articles that talk about, you know, robots taking, are going to be taking over jobs. Um, you know, we've seen a lot about AI and, and, uh, you know, transhumanism things in the last few weeks. But this is, uh, an article telling us how the, the Chinese, uh, is eclipsing the United States in high speed supercomputers. And not only that, they're using this technology to build advanced weapons. Are we, are we looking at Stan, you know, uh, <laughs> instead of, uh, are we looking at a battle of the the robots here in the future? I mean, are we just going to see this huge influx of of these um, uh, AI smart computers, uh, you know, just taking over our society? I mean, is it really almost at the door? Oh, I think so. It's been that way for a while, but certainly with the uh, the perfection of the quantum computers, uh, they are so. Uh, Fast, and they can handle such vast databases in real time that uh, whoever has them uh, will use them to uh, do like the um, the movie, the Colossus, the Forbin Project. I don't. Know, did you ever see that years ago? Where no. the computer they built took over the the, the world? 
No, I, I have not seen that. Well, look up Colossus, the Foreman Project, and that was back made back in the days when you know an IBM 360 uh, computer was the biggest knees, which you know, which is so much smaller than the computer you have in your your smartphone now. It's not funny, but anyway, uh, they were looking ahead, uh, the scriptwriters, and they looked at the situation we're seeing now, where you have superpowers, you know, China, Russia, uh, United States. Uh, Let's say a 
is using some of that energy to keep the loop running in our brain through all of the, the uh, neurons and stuff circulating on top of each other. As you've got stimulus, light, sound, whatever, it would, it would impose a frequency on top of that, that host frequency. And over the period of time, you would have a layer and layer and layer built up in these neural networks of events, which are frequencies that are imposed over this circulating neural frequency. And I'm thinking that's what they're trying to do with these supercomputers because they've even been growing nerve uh, axions, you know, like uh, brain uh, cells on silicon chips to make a hybrid, you know, digital chip with a a living organic uh, nerve chip. And if they've been able to incorporate that into their quantum computer structures, they have created uh, a beast, a real beast, a a semi-living thing that's built upon the the mechanism that uh, is us, you know, the, the, our soul, our spirit. Interesting thoughts, anyway. Yes, it is, absolutely. Uh, Stan, we just got a few minutes left. Um, I wanted to make sure we touched on this because I find this to be a... Um, a beacon of hope, if you will, for for those. Yeah, absolutely encouraging. This. Christian couple who lost their gay marriage cake case sees profits soar to millions despite controversy. This is uh, the Asher's Bakery in Northern uh, Ireland, and they have several locations in the UK. Um, but they refused to make a pro-gay marriage wedding cake. They were sued for it. They lost their discrimination lawsuit, but their business seems to be thriving. What are your thoughts, yeah. Dan? Oh, I think that's great. I mean, here they stand up for the biblical principle. You know, they're not going to, you know, serve something that is obviously against what the Bible teaches about, you know, gay marriage and even being gay for that matter. And they said they wouldn't uh, make the wedding cake for them because they didn't believe in that. You know, they didn't want to support that in any way. So, of course, they, you know, they they got sued and they had to uh, lose the suit and everything. But um, because of that, their business prospered. I mean, you know, uh, about two million U.S. bucks they profited last year from it. So, uh, you know, I'm saying uh, this is encouraging. The Lord is still supporting those who support Him. Uh, and sometimes you don't know until the the thing is the dust settles that you've you've won and and not been wiped out. But this couple did this. Just uh, you know, a young couple. You can see the picture there in the article, and I just. You know, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by it. I, I just think that this is really good. And I, I love that. I love that. And, and this will certainly uh, stand to anger the weavers of lies among the Christian community. Let me tell you, it's just, you know, it's it's amazing, Stan. Um, well, I just, I find this story very encouraging, and I, I, I find it, thank you. Thank you for really posting that because it's yeah. That it, it really just reached me today as I was reading through news and things. I thought, wow, I remember that couple coming out in the news where they were just clobbered because you know they wouldn't uh, make that cake like that. And I thought, wow, you know that's just so good. Stand your ground. So it's encouraging to all of us to stand our ground. Never for the give Lord. up. That's right. That never give up. It. Never settle. Never give up. Always fight. Take it to the end. And even in the face of the controversy and even losing or the appearance of losing, like they lost their discrimination suit, doesn't mean you have to give up and it's never over as long as you, you your faith holds strong. Um, the Lord will uh, will bless you. And that's the lesson there. Stan, thank you so much for joining us again tonight. Bet. It was a, a fantastic interview. Covered a lot of ground and, and a lot of words till to having you on next week. Okay, guys. Lord bless. See you next week. God bless, sir. God bless you too, Stan. Have a good night.
Well, that will do it for us tonight. We uh, covered a lot of ground again this evening. We had Joel Richardson on in hour number two. Again, folks, uh, joelstrumpet.com is the website. His book, Mystery Babylon, you can get 20% off uh, for Hagman listeners, but if you go to joelstrumpet.com and sign up for the newsletter, you receive another 10% off. And what's that? Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There you go. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That will do it for us tonight. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great evening. Mm